All right, John, you can get back now. <laughs> Earth to John. He can probably hear us because his mic sounds like it's still on. Well, let's have sex while he's listening. Mm, a little long distance. I'm fine with that. You've got a big enough oh, schlong. God. <laughs> oh, God. Why did my first thought go to... What was that game where you extended like to the planets? Noby Noby Boy. Yeah, that was my first thought when you said that. Noby Noby Rat. listeners just get yourself nice and comfy maybe maybe get yourself a nice alcoholic beverage <laughs> to enjoy yourself uh get nice and nice get your bowl of spaghettios maybe with meatballs because i think the spaghettios with meatballs are better what do you guys think i'm a vegetarian so i don't buy the ones with meatballs you, thanks you... for triggering me polly okay. do do i you... can't I can't actually eat SpaghettiOs because they have pasta in them, so thanks, Polly. <laughs> oh, they'll make your, your butt explode, literally. Great. And they'll make Rhett's heart explode. Yeah, they so. will. They will. Rhett, do, you like, do you like normal SpaghettiOs? Yeah, you... I actually do. <laughs> cool, cool. What about Bagel Bites? Uh, okay, you want to know the real truth? Yeah, I want to know the real I truth. I buy the princess-shaped ones because they are better. <laughs> I don't really like the circles, but... <laughs> This is the best socks story. <laughs> I get it. I get it too. I totally did. <laughs> about bagel bites, right? No. Buy the princess shaped bagel bites. No. <laughs> Sometimes I buy the Star Wars ones. Oh, you do. Those are new. Yeah, those are new. Yeah. Triple cheese. Anna likes bagel bites, but I can't eat them. So they make your brain Anna snack. Yep. Right. That's that's a bit of a problem. So yeah, like I said, we've got a long one coming up. It's not going to do us any good to sit here and talk about Rhett's princess shaped <laughs> pasta. Uh, so to my immediate virtual right, he's going to give you some nut butter from his nut bladder. <laughs> it's Rhett. Oh boy. How's that nut bladder, Rhett? Oh God. How's it? How's it going? Is it, is it going full steam? It's empty right now. It's empty? Jesus Christ. You've just been going at it all day? You know, you got to do some things before the podcast. Oh, is that how you, is that your ritual? <laughs> to get loose for a podcast? Just pop out a few? <laughs> Not always. Not always. It helps, though. It helps, though. I've done it before streaming, and I find that it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know what? It's easier to get into the group. I've done it while streaming as well. I did it right before um, doing D&D with some friends, so that was good. There you go. What? Yeah. Listen up. Yeah, yeah. To I need a virtual left. He just pooped all over your lawn. It's John Thayer. Hi. How's it going, John? I'm doing very well. Most important question: How's the nut bladder? Empty and satisfied. Nice, nice. <laughs> Boy, this is just like the greatest <laughs> socks cast ever. Already. 
So, a uh, quick programming note. Um, after the game over, you're going to want to stick around if you played through the beginner's guide because we're going to be doing a spoiler cast on that. We're going to throw that all the way at the end of the show. That way you don't have to worry about timestamps and all that crap. You'll just hear the game over. You can be like, bail right out. Just parachute on out of this episode if that's not something you're interested in. So um, with that out of the way, how about we talk about some stuff that we do? Okay. You guys like talking about stuff? Fuck yes. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Let's hear a fuck yeah for stuff. Fuck yeah, stuff. Fuck yeah, consumption of media. There you go. And if you are that's, listening... That's the Sox Cast motto. If you are listening <laughs> right now, I want you to throw your fist in the air, grab your crotch, and just scream, Fuck yeah, stuff. And then post it to YouTube. I want to see you do this, literally. <laughs> you can also just tweet me and let me know you did it. Or, you know, if I don't follow you because I don't like you, then you can't send me this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... Just talk about, just talk about, so, I did, so I did stuff. You did, did stuff. stuff? I did stuff. I, I did some stuff. Maybe not as much stuff as other people who are going to be oh. taking up hours of time on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Motherfucking stuff. I'm sure you guys. I'm sure you guys can pull together uh, a segment for me that'll that, that, that'll 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 be just as good in terms of quality. So it's not about quantity here. It's about mm-hmm. quality. So let's, let's get some quality going. So do. Either of you remember the first game uh, on the site to ever receive, back when we did ratings, the coveted Golden Sock? Oh, I do. Fuck, but I can't remember what it is. But I remember you specifying this is the first five-star <laughs> ranking on a review. Mm-hmm. I think. Any ideas, right? Uh, I have an idea because I'm looking at the podcast text. Oh, you're cheating. I'm cheating. What are you doing that for, you big silly? I didn't know oh. this side back then. So I replayed Doom 3. Oh, oh yeah. weird. Wait. I was going to say Half-Life 2. Shit. No, that game's garbage. You're garbage. No, that game is garbage. <laughs> Go read Kajil's review on the site. That is, I, that is a review I stand behind 100%, even though I didn't write it. But she mirrored every sentiment I have about that game. So, so wait, is Brett saying that he di- has not com- read through the complete backlog of all content on Socks Made People Sexy? That's what he's saying. Oh my god, Brett. Gotta get on that. Are you a fraud? Or M review. Maybe. You're Both of them. He's a fraud. Yeah, he's like co-editor for the fucking site. <laughs> like, he's the only one who just... actually produces content for the goddamn thing now. This is content. This is kind of content, yeah. It's an update on the <laughs> it's, an up- <laughs> it's an update on the main page. <laughs> fucking ca- anyway, I played through Doom 3 again because Woo! I, you know, I, I, I went through all of the older Doom games and had a great time re-experiencing that. Uh, so I decided to play Doom 3 again and man, that fucking game holds up. Oh, really? It is so yeah. fucking good. Like, if you like are like me and like anybody that has good taste in games and <laughs> thought, man, oh, yeah. I really liked Resident Evil 4, then you need to fucking play Doom 3 if you haven't already. Because Doom 3 is basically Resident Evil 4 in first person. Like, everything about it is is it's just the same kind of schlocky B movie zombie demon shoot 'em up um uh, just absolute silliness those awesome. two games those two games are so intertwined that it's great but doom 3 is hmm. obviously its own thing as well you know it comes from this lineage of a series that 
was kind of built on really fast, quick gameplay, and and uh, Doom Three is kind of, was kind of maligned, sort of at release, and I think that its legacy is still kind of uh, not looked as fondly mm. upon as you know other entries because it 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 kind of is very much taking everything that those old games did and making it slower and more methodical uh, to really amp up the creepiness of what, you know... Well, it's sort of like Doom 64. Like, where Doom 64, it's it's an entirely new game that really embraced the dark side of the series with demonic imagery, really, mm-hmm. like, low lighting, um... And Doom 3 is kind of like the perfect realization of that where you have these levels that you go through and they're still very boxy and very similar to old school Doom layouts. But Mm -hmm. the key to Doom 3's level design comes from the fact that it is an action horror game. So Mm -hmm. the game's true genius in level design is its lighting engine and the lack of light. Like it uses shadows... I think smartly, more smart, more smart. Yeah. <laughs> it uses shadows more smart than any other game I think that I've ever played because it does a lot of the same shit that Resident Evil does. Like, oh shit, you got a pop scare there. Um, but the way the guy, the, the the light is really smart in how that it, it's used to kind of guide you through. Uh, the stages because obviously they're still kind of like mazy and weird and and like like even though you're supposed to be trudging around a Mars base it really doesn't feel like one it really just feels oh. like it feels like just big doom levels that look better um and a lot of its brilliance is just in how everything is lit and 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 how they play with that to amplify the horror which then you come down to this game also has the most brilliant sound design I've experienced in a game still to this day. I don't think awesome. I don't think that a game that's gone the horror route has done so much with its soundscape uh, in the same way that Doom 3 does. It's just really, really like it knows when to lay back and just be ambient sound of like this bass, like just engines whirring or you know, you can hear air coming through vents and shit, and then like, oh shit, there's like a weird sound coming from my right speaker. I don't know what it is. If it is an enemy, I don't know if it's just the game fucking with me. Why is there a lady crying about her baby? This is creepy. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets real weird. Um, but man, I cannot applaud that game's sound design more because you know, along with the lighting, along with like the sound and how it's there to kind of ease you into the experience. The, the enemies all have a sound that they will make to let you know that they are around. So, and and, you know, you always want to be aware of your surroundings because everything's fucking pitch black and you Mm. use the sound a lot more to determine like who is where and what do I need to do? Um, so, so another big controversy for this game uh, is the flashlight. Yeah, people yeah. absolutely hate the flashlight because when you have the flashlight out, you can't fire a gun. So you're putting yourself, you know, you're making yourself vulnerable to get a better idea of where you're at, and taking away your ability to immediately react to an enemy that might just pop out right in your fucking face. <laughs> 
And it's so smart. I think that that's such brilliant design. You know, you can't... Like, the player has to be vulnerable at some point. And the way to do that is you take away their vision, and the only way they can get their vision back is to disarm themselves. And I think that that's a really smart idea. And the enemies all play really well with that concept. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 like... And then the fucking the BFG edition don't play it. Yeah. Because it basically came yeah. out and ruined all of the atmosphere that that game has. I think they added a bunch of light where there wasn't light before. You now oh, have you, you can now you can now use the flashlight anytime with any weapon out. It's just they they like the BFG edition ruined it, I think. It's just, just it's very re reactive, reactionary. Absolutely, bullshit. it's reactionary in the same way that I think that um, Doom 3's expansion is. Um, mm -hmm. I was actually high on the expansion when it came out. Like my review reflects that. I was happy with it, but I looked back at it again, and it's really reactionary to uh. to to what people were saying about Doom 3 at the time, and that oh, it's too dark. Well, this game is very much not as dark. Oh, the combat encounters are very few and far between, you know, because that's how you build tension in a horror game is yeah. you don't constantly throw enemies at the player. Uh, and that's basically what uh, Resurrection of Evil does. It's a lot, a lot more combat mm -hmm. uh, and, and a lot less atmosphere. And like going through these, like, like there are just dark halls in Doom 3, you know, the game itself. They're just like dark halls and rooms that don't really have much of a purpose other than, like, you having to go through them and just kind of being freaked out and making sure, like, like checking your corners and, like, pulling your light out to get a peek and then pulling your gun back because you thought you heard something that might have mm. been an enemy. And, like, the BFG edition and, and, and Resurrection of Evil, even though I think Resurrection of Evil is still pretty fun, it's, yeah. not, it's not terrible, um, mm -hmm. but, but it kind of lacks a lot of the core values and is very reactionary and... and the BFG edition is that reaction just taken to the fullest. Like, uh, yeah. I watched I watched uh, some video of it, and it's just like, there's it just feels flaccid. Mm -hmm. When did when did the expansion come out? I want to say three months or so after oh. Doom Three. So I so mean, that, it was. I think all... that could have been they just wanted to make a different style of game at that point. It like could they, be. It could be. Because that's such that would a have, quick turnaround. Yeah, that know? would have yeah. to be... You know, that's something that would have had to have been in development as yeah. the game itself was. Because I think if they just did another horror thing, like, they might have been bored of that. They're just like, why don't we just go, like, guns blazing this time? Yeah, that's uh -huh. a good point. That's a good point. And, I, like, I, like I said, I still had fun with Resurrection of Evil. I still think yeah. it's all right. Like, they did something... Like, there are obviously some... Uh, there's some Me Too things in here because it plays with physics a lot more. You, oh. get, you get a fucking physics gun. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh no, that's pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah, and like, and basically, you like, I and mean, it's still fun to use because, like, you know, when imps jump out at you and start throwing fireballs, you can just grab them and throw them right back in their face. It still makes for fun shit, but yeah. it's still very much a me too kind of thing. That's funny though. I'm just thinking Half Life Two Episode One was all about light and flares and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like they were both aping from each other. Like, oh yeah, we can do that too now. It's real interesting to to kind of, like, look back at all of that stuff now and just yeah. see, like, those are really interesting time for, like, what what first-person shooters were going for. Because, like, you know, Doom 3 and Half-Life 2 were, like, head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the big debate. And I'm, 
I will always champion Doom 3 over Half-Life 2. Um, you're, someone's got to do it. And I'm one, right. <laughs> one thing I thought you said that was interesting, though, is how this game like uses light as a gameplay mechanic, where it's super dark and yeah. there's gameplay relevance to light. Yeah. And it's just like, in, Half, in Half-Life 2, like the physics are part of the gameplay. Yeah. And it's just like when games were new and like having this new tech, the first thing they thought was, how does it affect the gameplay? And I yeah. like that. I and like that. I feel that's been lost a lot. Yeah. Like everything now years. is, how does it affect frame rate? How does it affect yeah. graphics? Like, but like, now these two games definitely went head first into like, how do we take these new tech, this new tech that we're yeah. developing and, and create a game around that? And, yeah. A game and, that couldn't have been done before. Yeah. Yeah. You very much. Yeah. Yeah. Very much on the mark with that. Which Do you is think so damn cool? Yeah. Do you think Doom Three would have been better received if it hadn't been called Doom Three? Because it just seems like such a departure. It from really those is. First two games being like balls to the walls action and. And heavy this is metal very. Stuff. This is very methodical and yeah. like there's not a lot of enemies and like when the enemies jump out at you, it's very easy to just kind of like you know stumble your way around in the dark, <laughs> and, and it's not really throwing just big-ass hordes of enemies at you, whereas that's mm. really what Doom was about. So, yeah, mm. maybe if it was called something other than Doom, I think that maybe it would have been better received, but at the same time, like, I don't know. It's it's, it's just a weird thing. Like, I think people kind of erase, the, erase that um, the original Doom could be scary on occasion. Like, there's a maze you walk into where you walk around it for a bit and then suddenly all the lights turn out and then monsters come out of the walls yeah. and attack yeah. you. And your only source like, of light is like the, the light that they had in the little monster closet. So you can yeah. make out where they're at. Yeah. Like, Doom yeah. was like, had a lot of those horror elements and it makes sense to make a new game that kind of builds off that. Yeah. Like it fully embraces that side. Like Doom 64 was the half step to that. Yeah. I feel because that game, it utilizes light a lot and it also, you know, has like much darker imagery and its sound design is just very, just weird ambient music. Whereas, you know, Doom, you've got those iconic metal <laughs> riffs going on. Mm -hmm. And even then, some, a lot of kind of creepy slow music. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so it's cool. Yeah, I, I just think that, man, I don't get the hate for Doom 3. That game is really great. Everybody I just get it. I get it in that it's so different from the other ones. Yeah. And that, especially with the new one now, like, it's going to continue to be the yeah, weird it's, outlaw. Yeah, it's the outlier now. It will always be the black sheep because everything mm. because everything's dark and you have to use a flashlight. And because the first, the new one leads so much into just <clears throat> speed and metal and yeah, it, yeah. it fully embraces the absurdity that like Doom was meant to represent but couldn't fully realize. Yeah, and now like you've got the game that they probably wanted to make in the first place, mm -hmm. which is great. I have it kind of on the I kind of have it on the brain because I saw I threw it. All yeah. week and have a great time, but is it kind of like the Metroid Fusion, where like that game came out and everyone was like, "There's so much text and linear, and it's linear. It's so different, but it yeah. still kind of has a lot of the stuff that made those me those old Metroid games fun. It's just coming at it from a way different angle." Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Doom Three, that's damn good stuff. Good shit. Cool. I think I was going to, like, I had to, like, at one point I was like, hmm, Doom 3 or Modern Warfare 1, and then went for Warm Warfare a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. going to probably go for Doom 3 at some point. Sure. The, 
I hear a lot of people complaining about the guns sound effects. Yeah, they're kind of not great, but the more that I thought about it, it sort of feels like, you know, I think that adds an element of tension. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, you're supposed to be scared of these demon spawn coming after you, like, and your weapons are just mere puny things to them, so they sound mm. like that. I kind of got used to it. Like, cool. the last time I played it, I played through it with uh, a sound pack that Trent Reznor had done uh, to upgrade mm. some of the sounds, and mm. he, and cool. all and all of the the Doom Marines grunts are him, <laughs> which is <laughs> funny, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. Um. And I played through this time with just normal sound effects. I was just like, you know, I kind of like it. I think that, like, with like everything about Doom 3's sound design is deliberately understated to cool. make the big moments really, really pop. Awesome. So I can just blow that up then. I have yeah. the original one. It sucks because I do hear people mention on occasion and talk like, oh, I should play this. I guess I'll load up this BFG edition. No, don't like, play that's that the version. the definitive thing now. <laughs> I wonder if the BFG edition at least has the ability to use the old flashlight mechanic, like, somewhere in the options or something. Mm. I don't know. I just think, like, because it's not that hard to switch from a weapon to, you just press F, and your flashlight Mm -hmm. comes out. You press F again, and you bring your weapon back up. It's not that, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to scroll back through to get to your your flashlight or your weapon. You just press F a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah. Good day. I play that game. I wish you had described it as Resident Evil 4 in space, because then I would have gone, oh, but that's dead space. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if, Which you also like, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that's Dead fun. Space. <clears throat> dead Space is fantastic. Like, yeah, Dead Space. Like, Dead Space and 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 uh, Resident Evil 4 had a baby, and it was Doom 3. <laughs> cool. Good, Good shit. Any questions, Doom 3, or can I move on? No, I need to play that. Right, you I tr- need to play I, it. I tried playing it, and I was too freaked out. It's too <laughs> scary for me. Play it, with, play it with headphones. I did the whole... No, I played, I played yeah, the whole game. Yeah, that makes it worse. It, no, it's better. No, that makes it worse. Definitely play that game with headphones. They it's got, like, so three good. enemies in. I'm like, I'm too stressed out to play this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is my jam. Yeah, I think John, in particular, will love it. Mm-hmm. so then i went like i don't even know why i just kind of like went on a tear of looking at a lot of the open world games that i've played over the years uh this obviously started with grand theft auto 3 back in uh, i want to say 2001 2002 um yeah. and then i like you know kind of dabbled with everything else i played some vice city i played some san andreas i played some grand theft auto 4 i played a lot of saints row the third um yeah kinda, you did yeah to kind of get a good idea of like you know like yeah and I, and like i also had saints row 2 on uh, ps3 so i played a bit of that as well um just to kind of like you know and, and but I was looking at a lot of open world games for whatever reason. I just kind of wanted to like put into my like what makes these things tick? Why don't they really click for me all that much? Like because I think that a thing you can say about open world games is that there are, a lot of them are real samey. They oh, kind yeah. they offer base <laughs> like like boy oh boy I sure do want to do another race. Boy mm. oh, I God, sure yeah. do love racing. Side activities are such a well in those yeah, games a lot of the time really are like saints row bless its heart it tries <laughs> yeah. 
to make them interesting and put an interesting spin, but you're kind of just putting a weird spin on a thing that's, oh. No, yeah, there's... Saints Row 3, like, everything you do yeah. in the side stuff is stuff you do in the campaign once. Yeah. It's like, okay, like, oh, I shot some rockets from the sky, and that's fun. Yeah. I think I didn't really like the activities until Saints Row 4, honestly. Well, Saints Row 4 is... Because it's such just, a different thing. It's an entirely the... different beat. It's where they've completely let go Yeah. and basically said, oh, no, all of the cheat options are on at all times. <laughs> basically, yeah. yeah. And that game is just, in and of itself, yeah. kind of... It, yeah, I think that it's a bit of an outlier. And I think yeah. that another thing we can probably agree on is that open world games always have shitty combat. Unless they're sleeping dogs. Unless they're sleeping dogs. That's the one yeah. I... Yeah. Sleeping dogs. But, like, why does combat in these games always feel so mushy and, like... I think it's just, like, scale of the world thing. Where, like, they're using, like, kind of smaller characters, you know? Like, in a more zoomed-out mm-hmm. camera, it's just hard for them to do combat that feels like up close and personal and good basically yeah, it's just like like even gunplay just feels yeah. like gunplay is a thing that is in every fucking game mm. now and yeah. open world games it still just kind of feels not good and this goes all the way back to and this is of course grand theft auto 3 which i played through in its entirety for some reason i don't <laughs> even know why that's the one like of all these games that i played I went back and played the most rudimentary, like, where it all started, where we got all of our ideas, where, you know, how, like, the, the game we all evolved from. Um, and, like, that be the way to do it. And that game is really interesting because Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2 are these top-down, tile-based, sprite-based <laughs> driving games that are very simple and arcadey. And Grand Theft Auto 3 is a perfect realization of that. Only, you know, they were, you know, adding some story around it and cutscenes and, like, you know, more interesting missions, a lot of varied objectives and side things. Um, And 3D. And 3D. (laughs) It's kind of a big one. Fully realizing Liberty City uh, in 3D is really interesting. And with Grand Theft Auto 3, you kind of have to, like, become friends with Liberty City, the, the, the actual city itself. you got to learn the ins and outs because there is no in-game map that you can just pop up and go to at any time. you got a little radar that'll show your immediate surroundings and it zooms out the faster you go in a car, which that's smart. But there is no in-game map that you can pull out and just be like, oh, well, where do I go? You've got to remember where the pay and spray is. You've got to remember where the ammunition is. Um... And, like, that game's flawed as fuck. It's dated as fuck. It shows it in every conceivable way. (laughs) Uh, The combat is god-awful. Even if you're using a mouse, it just feels shitty. You mean, like, gunplay? Yeah, the gunplay is specifically just like, wow, it's pretty bad. Even when you're just aiming with a reticule, it just feels bad. (laughs) Um, But I soldiered through... I, I completed the game, and it was a good time, and it was cool. real interesting. It's a game that, when it came out, I 100%ed that game. Like, I did everything. I found all 100 hidden packages. I did all of the dumb shit. Every single mission. Every single dumb side activity. Like, driving the taxi and being a policeman and all of that shit. I did all of that back in the day. So, obviously, the game 
back then had done something to hook me. And I think that it's just because it was such an interesting and innovative thing at the time. Like, there was absolutely nothing like it. Um, and I still think that, like, it's an interesting case study to, to look back on because I think that because the game world is nice and compact and cozy, it's not that hard to just kind of, like, when you're not on... Like, the game expects you to just be driving around the city exploring when you're not doing missions to kind of learn the ins and outs. Like, hey, find these little alleyways. Remember where they're at because, you know, like, hey, that'll get you to the pay and spray way quicker and the cops will leave you alone. <laughs> Shit like that. And it was really fun to kind of, like, become intimate with that map and just kind of, like, have it in my head. Um, and they really test that shit like the missions make you work for it like there are like there are missions sometimes where it's just like you ain't got no waypoints we'll tell you where you need to go you know we'll give you the name but you better kind of remember those city streets as they pass by <laughs> so i thought it's just like yeah. it's, it's it's definitely like a a game with a lot of first try flaws but it gets so much right and it was still a blast to play through, and the story was still fun to experience again. The driving feels really good. I love the arcade kind of, like, just mm. slipping and sliding all over the place <laughs> driving. It's just real silly. Uh, and it feels good. Um, uh, but I also like the driving in, like, San Andreas and uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, which is oh, much oh, I weightier. I knew you were going to say 4. It's much weightier like and and like you don't really get the same sense of speed in something like Grand Theft Auto 4 but when you hit those big areas where you can just floor it you get such a better sense of speed because like the weight of the car is just kind of like flopping around you can actually see it yeah, kind of like the fucking physics in that game are nuts they're nuts and most people hate them because they're not arcadey they're just i'm not going to say they're realistic i think that <laughs> It's just like all of the, the vehicles in the game have a heaviness to them that previous racing games usually don't unless you're something like a Gran Turismo, which like those games like really, really pay attention to their physics and car yeah. weight and things like that. And I think that that's what GTA 4 was going for. And like it takes a while to get used to, but like I think that most people kind of mess up. And thinking that, like, okay, I just started this game. Let's go start doing story missions. No, how about you, like, just take some time to drive around the city to get a feel for the vehicles. To feel how, like, the you know, like, to, to, to feel how it is to put gas behind the damn thing and try to take a turn. Or how to pull the e-brake and pull a nice 90 degree turn. Like, you can drive really elegantly in GTA 4. I've done it. Um, but it takes time to get to that level. And, like, those games, I think really benefit you when you're kind of like out and about doing things that aren't just like story missions because the story missions are there to test what you know so i think that like i i stand behind gta 4 it's another game that i will stand <laughs> I will, it's another game that i will stand behind that most people probably don't like yeah most people seem to have abandoned that one and since it's come out yeah and five kind of went back to more silliness and arcadey feel yeah i i i like the grittiness and uh the story of gta 4 a lot more as well like even though there's a lot of you know that ludo narrative dissonance <laughs> you know because like you know nico is a guy that's coming to america that wants to get away from the kind of life he's had to live 
and he just kind of gets pulled back into it, and Lois like, I don't want to kill anybody. And guess what you're going to be doing most of the time in most missions? Yeah. So it's kind of silly, but I still think that the way that that story plays out is really well done. I think Rockstar has definitely got a knack for telling stories. Like, even, like, something as simple as Bully was just like, that's a real good story. It's really well written. Um, but yeah, like, I really like the time that I got to spend again with GTA 3. Uh, just because it was fun to kind of learn all of that shit again and, like, not having to, like, pop into a map menu and, like, not having to set waypoints, no GPS, nothing like that. You could probably mm -hmm. mod that stuff in. <laughs> oh, it's a Grand Theft Auto game that allows modding. Oh yeah, yeah. the, the, uh, the <laughs> mod modding for like GTA Three, San Andreas, and Vice City is just like crazy. I know, I know, but yeah. like they had a great mod scene and they fucking killed it with five. They killed it with five entirely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Man, this sounds really nice, and also, um, I've never been able to finish any of these games before. Me neither, yeah. Like, literally, never fi never finished any of them. That's a bummer. Um, Do you mean G GTA, or just open worlds in general? Open world games in general. Oh. <laughs> it, yeah, can be, it can be a slog to get to the end of some of them. Like, especially mm -hmm. when they gate their content. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, you need to be certain respect level in order to open mm -hmm. the next story mission. So go grind out activities you might not think that are fun. I think the ones I got the furthest in were Chinatown Wars on the DS. That <laughs> game's actually surprisingly good. Yeah, it was pretty rad. And um, Driver San Francisco. Oh, that game! Oh. That game! It's real yeah. cool. That game's yeah. real fucking cool. It's Once you realize it's not a driving game, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's very much. You just not. teleport to the front of the pack and then crash everybody else on purpose. It's so good. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Yeah. So I wanna. So it sounds like though GTA Three is maybe the one that might actually kind of help me figure it out because it because like it's, the the problem with them is that they'll turn into the, the checklists. Yeah. Yeah. And when you don't really have that in GTA Modern 3. ones. You'll have the giant map full of icons to go check off. Yeah, you but don't have GTA that at 3, all. You don't have that. No, like, uh, even Vice City and uh, San Andreas, they all, like, they don't have icon spam. Like, you, you find the activities if you want to do that. Like, if you want to, like, do vigilante missions, just go hijack a cop car. Like, there's Good no shit. icon on the map that says, vigilante mission. And cool. it's and it, like those games are kind of cool like that. Like the only icons I think that you actually see on the Vice City and uh, San Andreas maps, you they they'll just like like there's a pay and spray here, there's an ammunition here. Yeah, uh, it points you to the places you need to go if you need ammo or you need to like fix up your car or hide from police. Cool. Uh, and, and, it and obviously, like Rockstar. It sounds like Rockstar cooler than sort of the Ubisoft filler games that I've been averse to in the past basically. yeah 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 i think those are kind of like the two opposite ends really where yeah. rockstar games always feel like putting you in a world and yeah. then ubisoft ones are just like here's side activities to do i don't know icon barf that's the thing like even though gta 3 doesn't have a lot of story and it's just it's a very simple story what really makes that game feel really cool is that liberty city feels like a place that you're in and mm -hmm. you and like i said because there's no map you start to become intimate with it 
as you drive around and like do things and you know it's like missions take you to different parts of the map you'd never explore it's like oh what the hell's down here i'm gonna come down here again after you know the mission and find out like pick up these hidden packages or things like that it's just like you you like it's really interesting to kind of like become one with the world and i think that you like if I were to, like, kind of compare it to something, I think that, like, what a lot of modern open-world games do is the same thing that a lot of games that try to take inspiration from Metroid do, is that, mm -hmm. like, they think they've got the idea, they think they understand what Metroid's doing, but then everything is just a key to open a locked door. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think that everybody thinking that open-world games is 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 you know icons icon barf all over your map like there's so many things you can do look we pointed them all out for you whereas grand theft auto is more relaxed and that kind of thing yeah um and it's more subversive and it's more a part of the world it's like you drive around it's like you got a taxi well okay i'll do some ta i'll play crazy taxi literally <laughs> you can play crazy taxi in all of grand theft auto <laughs> games okay so what you're saying is that this is basically shenmue with a car basically yeah basically but like open world is I mean... <laughs> open world i think should be okay you've given me a mission the parameter is guy x needs to die and i need to make i need to find a way to make that happen so mm. so let's say there's a mission where i have to throw a grenade into a window to get a guy to come out of his apartment <laughs> so i can gun him down or but he, he's going to immediately jump in a car to try to escape okay well why don't I just park a car in front of his garage, throw the grenade in, he comes down and can't get out, I just throw another grenade at both cars <laughs> and kill him. Like, that's my solution. Instead of trying yeah. to chase him all over the city, I just like, well, okay, I'll do this. Or, hey, like, you, like, like another mission is, like, go, like, kill all of these dudes somehow. And it's just like, well... Why don't I just go buy a sniper rifle and take care of that problem? <laughs> Fuck you! I'm not going in there. The combat so this in this sounds... game is the combat in this game yeah. is garbage. I need to give myself an advantage. This sounds almost like um, you know, Deus Ex or Hitman Blood Money. Kind of, yeah. Sense. Like where they're that like sort different... of non-linear lets you free more freeform approach. Yeah, and it's just like all it like every mission like is literally just like so long as this parameter is ticked you win it doesn't matter how you go about achieving that just so long as that parameter is met and you do not die and i think that's the really smart way that gta 3 handled things now as you get deeper into the series a lot of that freedom in missions starts to get taken mm -hmm. away because they want to very much have control over like look at this awesome thing you just did yeah, you know, mm -hmm. rather than letting them happen naturally, they kind of like okay, yeah. you know, like you'll usually get a pop up at the bottom of the screen. It's like okay, now go rig the bomb, rig the car with the bomb. I was like, oh, okay, that's the only way I can do this mission, huh? I've got to, I've got to work within the parameters you're now putting on me. So you know, it, you know, the games are still fun, but I think that they kind of like lose that open worldness yeah. that I think of when I think of open world, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think there has whole... to be some. Yeah, go ahead. I think the thing that makes great open worlds great is when, like, the open world is part of the main missions and, like, it's something you can use and exploit to your advantage. Where yeah. It's not tons just of games where it's just, like, a po it's just points set on in the open world, but then you're super gated and stuff. And, like, 
like this is kind of going off topic, but there's that new Mirror's Edge game that has an open world. But then, like, a lot of the main missions are just in sections that aren't part of the open world. Yeah. They're just, like, individual levels off to the side. It's just like, well, now the the open world has no point here. It's just filler between missions. Yeah, yeah. It's just a place to go grab probably pointless collectibles. And collectibles, yeah. So that, like, the first Assassin's Creed game was very much like, here's your target, find a way to kill him. Yeah. And then, and then he'll run away, and which way he runs will usually be randomized as well if you screw up. So, like, you had to take account and kind of learn the yeah, area. That's and then really mm-hmm. smart. And then everything since then has just been like, here's super your scripted. super scripted mission. And if you go 10 steps out of the script, mission Oh failed. God, yeah. There's a fucking section in Assassin's Creed 4 where there's boat stealth. Oh my so God. So if you like go like 20, 50 feet out of range, it's like, nope, you fail. It's just kind of awful. Yeah, it's not very good. Um, but man, I just like it was just really interesting looking back at sort of like how all of these open yeah. world games have spawned from GTA and how GTA and Rockstar are still very much in their own bubble. Very like yeah. they seem completely unaware of of what other developers do with open world games and they kind of like have a, a style that is their own and I admire it but at the same time it just drives me up the wall sometimes. Do, mm-hmm. do tap A to run in GTA 3. Yeah, tap A to run in GTA 3, goddammit. <laughs> and it's just... And, and it's just like, well, like, when you get to GTA 4 and, like, you fail a mission, like, their only, <sighs> their only concession is you'll get a text message on your phone that'll let you retry the mission, but you're still out of everything you just spent failing the mission. Yeah. So if you like end the mission and you're at like 25 health and you don't have any ammo, you use that. You're put right back at the start of the mission with that. Oh, great! And like, you better have parked a car near the mission start point because they don't give you a car either. Oh, <laughs> and that just drives yeah, it drives me nuts. It drove me nuts about that game. I'm just like, I can't. I'm sorry. I still really like it. I'll probably finish this playthrough of it that I started. You're probably further than me. Did you do the one where you're like chasing a cha- train on with your car? Yeah, yeah. That that's where I broke because I couldn't fucking handle those. It's turns. really that the the chase missions in GTA games are thankfully always like like they're not true chases because like the only way that you can fail is if you're like without of out, outside of a certain perimeter and like when you're a certain distance away from a target they'll just intentionally slow down Hmm. so like it's all scripted for to try and give you the best advantage but then there's also real dumb shit that they do where you likely haven't interacted with motorcycles yet but we're gonna throw you right into a high-speed chase with one (laughs) we're gonna tutorialize you on it at the top left of the screen we want you to pay attention to that we're also going to feed you information that doesn't fucking work in this mission because your target is invincible until they get off of their bike. Oh, great. And it's just like, uh, what the fuck were you thinking with that? That's so they give you a tutorial stupid. on how to shoot from the motorcycle? Yeah. With an invincible with target. That, and, the, and, the target no. and the target cannot be killed. And, and the target can also, also just completely disobeys all of the laws of physics. And, can <laughs> ju- and there are certain parts that are scripted where there is traffic that will intentionally try to fucking knock you off the road. I remember some of that from earlier chase missions. Yeah. It's like... There's always, like, a scripted car crash that'll happen as yeah. you go across a certain intersection or something. And it, that can be kind of cool. 
it's cool the first time. But if you fail a mission and you have to keep seeing it, you're gonna yeah. get very angry. But apparently, you just realize. apparently that game has adaptive um, difficulty though. Like where uh. if you fail a certain number of times, like they'll reduce the number of cars, or they'll like reduce the health of some of the enemies to give you a better chance. So I think that they're trying to make concessions, but they just don't want to make that checkpoint jump in yet. So it's like, ah, oh, we could just put well, then it. Well, you added checkpoints in the newest one, right? I think 5 has that. 5 has checkpoints. Yeah. There are there are certain missions that have checkpoints. Um, I know the last mission has a checkpoint, very specifically, because I had failed the last mission like when I first beat the game. Um and uh, I think that the Ballad of Gay Tony actually like gives every mission a checkpoint, which is uh, an episode from Liberty City. Yeah, I have those. Yeah. So wait, are there no checkpoints in GTA Three missions? Nope. Mmm. Means you fail. You're you, you either fail when you die, when you're busted by the cops. Or you just fail the mission parameter, and then you've got to drive back to the person that gave you the que- that gave you the mission, accept it again, and restart. So it's a little annoying. Mm-hmm. But I like I like annoying. It's it's because like that's what I was saying was that all the the open world games I've played have like are very like streamlined and kind of go out of their way to remove any kind of points of resistance or yeah. expression. So whereas this might G- GTA be the 3, one I can get into. Yeah, whereas GTA three, like the city is very unwelcoming. It's just it's it's it asks a lot of the player. You know, it wants <sighs> you know, it expects you to get familiar. It's just it's the Dark Souls of open world oh, games. <laughs> oh, We're done. Over Rhett has demanded that this topic end. <laughs> one thing you mentioned open world games with gating the missions suck there's yeah. one game i thought did that well which is just cause 2 where it locks just, it behind like just the amount of fucking literally craziness. blowing shit up yeah so like i just played that game for a while and then when i finally went to like start doing the main missions i just had everything open because i'd blown so much shit up <laughs> it was just like it's just like uh you have like two billion chaos now you're good you're good you have everything <laughs> Yeah, I like I tried to do that in 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 Saints Row the Third, and then I got kind of burnt out. Yeah, like I I still like Saints Row the Third, and I think I, I, I think I like Saints Row the Third more than four. I don't think uh-huh. three actually gates you though. Yeah, it does for, for missions really. Yeah, it gates you. You have to have a certain respect level to get to the. Wow, I have story never missions. run into that. I've played it through twice. I only ran through. I only ran into it once. Yeah, uh, it seems pretty forgiving. Yeah, right? like I think I needed to be to respect level fourteen, and I was thirteen. So, uh, and, it, and it took like one activity to get that. Yeah, you, the max level is like fifty, I think. Yeah, like, and Saints Row has something in an open world game that you know, like it's got fucking co op. Oh, yeah, Saints Row has online co op. Think of the insanity you can get into with that shit. <laughs> Me and Eric thought about, like, because he, he's been playing it recently as well, and I was playing yeah. it, and he, and he thought, like, hey, why don't we just, like, play it together and see what happens? <laughs> so I might stream that if we do it, if we have the time. Like, I don't know. Cool. Cool. So yeah, that's kind of, like, been my adventure, you know, reliving some Doom stuff. Finally got finally got all that out of my system until uh, I get to play uh, Doom 4, or I guess it's Doom 4. New uh, Doom. New Doom. And you do. And you do. Yeah, I'll probably end up. I'll probably end up buying it on PS4 because I have a PS4 now. 
I treated myself. Yeah, treat, treat yourself. I treated myself. I deserved treat it. Treat yourself. I deserved it. Mm-hmm. Your Part friend was it. dumping it before the pro comes out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just want to get rid of it. The only the only things I have for it right now are uh, Uncharted and um. Oh, which really? Yeah, I bought it. Uh, uh, Uncharted, yeah. A Thief's End, and uh, he had a copy of Black Ops Three that I'll probably never play. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll probably buy Doom for PS4 because I I don't have a video card capable of taking that game right now. I got through the demo and it was just like. This isn't yeah. gonna work. This isn't. I need a bit more power, and my graphics card is like six years old. So, mm. yeah, I know. I'm. I've heard Uncharted my, Four is really good. Continue. I'm seeing myself like be the minimal requirements now for, for a bunch of games. Yeah, like I think Pac-Man Championship Edition Two is like minimum spec GTX 660. I'm like fucking what? I'm I, I'm glad that game kind of doesn't look all that great though. Yeah, that too. It just, I, I just it played lacks, the original. Yeah, it I just played kinda, some DX today. That's what I'm going to probably do this weekend. Is just play I played some, some DX today. Everyone's playing DX. That game's so magical. It's, it's so, so I good. forgot how good it was. I'm just like revved up after doing like two runs. And yeah. just like and not even coming close to my old scores either. Like <laughs> how great does it feel to just line up a train of like 70 ghosts and at the last minute turn around and just yeah. numb all of those fuckers? And then you look at the new one, and it makes that into a cutscene. Yeah. And it lacks everything. Misses the no. fucking point. There's catharsis in you yeah. being the one to do that. And taking that shit away from you with a goddamn cutscene is this fuck video game. Man, I've done <laughs> But it's also like, there are parts in DX where there are ghosts on the map that are not awoken and the train, and you have to kind of figure out how to eat all of them all at the same time. Like, there is still gameplay happening during yeah. those yeah. train segments, and the new one just makes it into a cutscene. It's so dumb. It so basically, I watched, I watched the Giant Bomb quick look for the new one, went, wow, this looks dumb, and then played the original this just to like, wash it away. It just feels like they missed the point entirely. Yeah. I've heard absolutely. they fuck up the grinding, too. Like, grinding against walls. That I've heard the controller support badly. is really fucked up on PC. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear those Bioshock uh, remasters. Boy, <sighs> you got them for free, and it sounds like that was <laughs> that was about how much they're worth. It's specifically like the DirectX 10 water effects that the original game had. No, didn't come over because they're probably based off the 360 version or something. It's so mm. weird. Well, the PC version apparently is just a buggy fucking mess. It crashes. Oh. Graphics. There, there are no graphic settings. You have to go yeah, into an I and I file. Yeah, it's so. I mean, mm. if you want lower graphics, just play the original ones. Yeah, like I'm not gonna complain because I, I didn't even know they were giving them away for free if you already had Bioshock One and Two. Like I had mm-hmm. no idea. Rhett mentioned it on Twitter, and I was like, "What? When did they announce that?" But yeah, those ports sound absolutely shit on both the console yeah. and the PC. Like, and like, how did they get? How did the did the console versions even come out? Like, like when you look at like that fucking water effect, like how do you release it and not Ugh. know something's kind of fucked up? Ugh. They actually did a really good thing for PC users though. Where like, they're trying to reimburse, like not reimburse, but like make good by people who only have the physical versions. Mm-hmm. They're like, if you send us proof of ownership, we'll give you the steam version. You still have the <laughs> copy that I sent you. I, I do. But I have it on. St- That's the thing. That's been so freaking long that I just ended up with another copy on Steam anyway. So the original, I, have, I but I do have the Bioshock PC. 
Yeah, because like, you like you sent me. Yeah, I gave you that. Man, I have so many PC box games, and like I've I've just rebought them all on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's I, like it's yeah. way more convenient. Like I don't want to pop. Like I don't even use my optical drive anymore. Like why do I want to throw it? Yeah. Like the last time I used it, I threw it in and I installed Oni. <laughs> And it was and it was like, man, oh. this game's bad. <laughs> I remember buying a couple PC games from Amazon because they were just way cheaper. Like they were just like giving Syndicate. them away actually. Yeah, I actually do have Syndicate and yeah. Dark Void is another one. Yeah, I got, I got like, s- oh, the, the physical copy's like five bucks, but yeah. the Steam version is twenty. Yeah, what's going on? Syndicate was a pretty damn good deal. That game was yeah. pretty fun. I mean, I'm not saying it was great like Jeff Gerstman does. Oh my god! Like, oh yeah, but... that's what I remember it from. Was he wouldn't he just kept going on about how phenomenal Syndicate? It's was. like it's not phenomenal. I think that it's kind of neat, but it's. I thought it was like a, a fun little five or six hours. Did Polly say phenomenal? Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I phenomenal. Did. Yeah. It's very phenomenal. Add that to the Sox cast vernacular. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Do 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 do. <laughs> do 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 do. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that is all I've been up to. Why don't we make room for our boy John Douchebag Baby Boy Fire? That's me. What you been doing? You been doing stuff? I heard that you had stuff that you wanted to talk about on a podcast. I've been doing a whole mess of stuff. All right. Yeah, but so instead of just listing everything, um. I think there's two things I want to talk about real deep in depth. Mm-hmm. So let's just get kind of the filler bullshit out of the way first. All so we right. Can talk about that a little bit. All right. So, um, let's start with Axiom Verge. Like, whatever. Whatever. Right. <laughs> Super Metroid. Already played it. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put that on the list, but I replayed Super Metroid with Hannah. Nice. And so she got to watch me play through that whole game and experience the nice little beats in that story. And she hated <laughs> it, but... She didn't want to play it. Once she, once I was playing it, it kind of made sense to her and was like, oh, that, and then she was like, oh, that's did, so did, sweet. Did she think that blowing the tube was the coolest shit ever? Yep. It is. That's one of the best moments in a video game ever. Yep. And it's real uh, good. Grapple beaming the guy. Yes. The skeleton, Crockmire skeleton jumping out. Yes. Whole ending bit in Torian. Trying to figure out how to kill those fucking gold space pirates before gold because oh, yeah. I, yeah. I never remember how to do it so <laughs> I just fuck around and then manage to somehow you gotta make them dive kick yep and then they'll run and they'll turn gold it's like that one silly fighting video game yeah. um, dive Mortal kick. Kombat yeah Mortal Kombat exactly yeah. like Mortal Kombat yeah so Super Metroid's really good yeah and then I played Axiom Verge immediately afterwards nice oh. So I got to kind of see all the points of similarity that people point out. But yeah, um, I think my reaction coming away from Axiom Verge is that it is a very conservative game in a lot of senses. Oh, very, absolutely. Yeah, it's backwards looking. It is looking back at Metroid games and picking and choosing the bits that it likes and kind of putting it into a new vision. Yeah. Uh, and if you can accept it on that level, it's really fucking good. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. There's a lot of good clever bits in that game and the story the um the way i think yeah we had the same reaction where the way you're funneled through that world is very very clever it's not just 
kind of the back tons and tons of backtracking and filling in a maze like no, the castle at all it's Castlevanias. i never got the feeling of filling in blocks on a map ever i like and any time that i did it was something i was willing to do because i had gotten a new ability and it's like i want to play around now <laughs> Because yeah, the, exactly. because because that game is focused a lot on your mobility and how you get around the world. It's not just you getting around the world is the thing. It's the abilities and how they keep expanding on your mobility to get around the world that are very interesting and unique to that game. Yeah. They're all like locks and keys, but they also transform how you interact with every other part of the game. Yeah. And a lot of the things, a lot of the abilities allow you to... Tra- to um, intermingle with the world in ways that aren't immediately obvious. Like, just realizing how much of the tiles, the background tiles, were stuff that you could kind of phase with and interact with. Yeah, you get the glitch gun and you can fuck with things. You can fuck you with can, enemies. You can yeah. change how they behave. You can th- like Or things in the background. And there's like a really clever puzzle where, like... There's a message that appears like on the screen somewhere where when you like fire the gun at it and it gives you like the way out. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. And just all the all the tiles that are secretly one tile wide, yeah. I think was my favorite little bit there. Um and then by the end it's you're just totally the the mobility is nuts. You're mo- it's like, really clever. Seriously, the best part is like when you, you they give you a little drone bot. And you can use that, and, like, when you fire the drone bot, you are in that and control of the little drone bot. And he's mm-hmm. got his own little set of abilities or whatever. But then, the, like, right near the end of the game, they expand that to its fullest potential where you fire the drone bot, and you press a button again, and you warp to where the drone bot is. <laughs> that is the coolest shit! Yep. And it's so and it's so not just the morph ball. It is its own thing, and being able to... The mobility of, like, jumping off of a cliff and then firing the drone diagonally upwards and diagonally to the other, the other direction so that it launches in a big arc. Yeah. And then lands somewhere. And then you just it's teleport so right to it. It's, it's so, so clever. cool. There's so many That clever. almost sounds like the swapper to me, having not played this yet. It's kind of like that, It like at least with the drone. And at that like uh-huh. given that you get that yeah. at the end of the game, sort of yeah. like the last fourth, it's not really mm-hmm. the main crux of it. Yeah. Like, but it's a cool ability of just like throwing away your real body to just, to just teleport to this thing. It feels yeah. so damn good. Also, by the end of it, I was just, te- I was just instead of walking... Just teleporting everywhere. I would, I would shoot the drone. He's <laughs> constantly shooting the drone and <laughs> And didn't feel like the dumb backdashing constantly and like simply in the night no, or something. Not like a funny, silly thing I was able to do that was enjoyable. I 100% of that game too. Like cool. I did, I filled in the map, I got all the power-ups, I got mm-hmm. all the, like a lot of the weapons... Like, even the the, dude, the creator there, he's like, yeah, a lot of the weapons probably aren't really useful, but I had the ideas for them, and they were fun, so I put them in anyway. It's better than collecting a bunch of missile packs. Exactly. Yeah. There is no there is no collect missile packs in this game. I didn't realize how much I just never use missiles in the back half of Super Metroid. Yeah, <laughs> I've I, forgotten that. I just use the charge beam most of the time. Yeah, it's pretty much all charge beam mm. all the time. So... That that was pretty funny getting to the end of that and realizing, oh my god, I actually never use these things. I've been collecting yeah. the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Metroid uh, in Metroid missiles are only really useful in the first two games. Yeah, yeah. It's and kind of then, sad. And then and then another Metroid two remake ruins missiles. Yeah. Yeah. Because it has super missiles. Yeah. Yeah. 
Metroid Fusion makes the super missiles just upgrade your missiles to do three times as much oh, damage. That's real smart. They fixed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's real smart. Well, I think uh, they had they also had to do that because you you with how you selected weapons in Super Metroid, oh, and, they, yeah. and they were trying to move that idea over to a system that only had two buttons and two shoulder yep. buttons. You had to kind of can you know, shrink down a little bit. Yeah, I think that was really high smart. jump, high jump, and spring jump became the same power up too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, by having fewer buttons, they were forced to make the game better. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in yeah, some ways. yeah, yeah. That was sort of a common thread, I think, with Gate SNES to GBA. Yeah. In a lot of way times. Axiom Verge is kind of difficult, too. Like, those enemies yep. don't play around. Yep. Oh, like, yeah. I bet if I... Yeah, I, I would definitely want to play it again on hard. Oh, um, God, it is ridiculous. It's Google. so... It's punishing. But I like it. I like it. I think that it's it's just... Like, these games are never hard. Yeah, they're never hard. It feels... And it feels good to play. It feels good to shoot things. Yeah, it's like uh, all I the weapons, use... all the weapons, like the drill, everything. They have nice impact to them. Yep. Um, does hard mode go too far? Because a lot of NES tribute games, like I don't think it's go too far. Mm-hmm. On hard mode. How about them bosses? The bosses are interesting. Okay. Uh, but I don't think that they're great. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I came away from. Came yeah. away from it with like the um the final boss is so impressive aesthetically and yeah. narratively. Yeah, and then I think but that... just looking at the actual design of it's like, huh, this is simplistic. <laughs> yeah, like the actual fights themselves are very simple and easy to suss out. I like the aesthetic of the bo- of pretty much all the bosses. Though. Yeah, they all look real gorgeous. cool. Yeah, it's a real neat game, and it and the story, it does. It goes one step further than it needed to. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It didn't need to go as far as it did. It could have done less and, and no one would have batted an eye. Like with yeah. Hi- Hyper Light Drifter kind of had that for me where I finished it and it was like, okay, that was that went exactly as far as it needed to for people not to cry bullshit. Yeah. And then Axie Verge goes the extra step. How about that soundtrack? It's real good. Yeah, even though it lacks, even though it takes away like the atmosphere of a Metroid game, holy shit, Axiom Verge's soundtrack is real good. It's real good. There is so much like, good music there. It's just like upbeat chiptune. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's like dour and oh oppressive okay. chiptune. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very abrasive. Um, yeah, but not abrasive in like a contra hardcore kind of way. No, um, it's abrasive in a Nintendo-ish manner. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of Family Tracker. Yeah, uh, very classily used. Um, yeah, it's it's. I've played a shit ton of glitch Metroid games that are a lot more forward-thinking and clever. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, this is not that. If you go into it looking for like sort of the next step the next way forward i don't think it really delivers that but like just as sort of another game in this style that actually nails all the fundamentals where most of them are boring as sin um it's excellent it's very good um i played through swr jst dx selective memory erase effect oh boy that game is cool isn't it how'd you like that story Oh my <laughs> god, that game story goes places that it's just so, like... So, that game is Link's Awakening by way of Adventures of Mike Man 2. <laughs> oh. That, that was my takeaway. I got kind of an Undertale vibe from it, like, genocide, basically. 
I got the vibe I got was this. It, I mostly came away from it as kind of a comic work. Yeah. Um, and the 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 kind of dour undertones at the end of the story kind of just accentuated that for me, where it's like, <laughs> where it had a little bit of feels to the, which just made it that much funnier to me. Like, um, he's laughing yeah. at their deaths. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but just um, the doggy like, died. <laughs> the, like the scenes they do after the boss. <laughs> the scenes. Oh my god! That that was like I saw your Steam review and you um, and you complained actually about the short bosses where that was kind of what made it for me was they had these big conversations, yeah, big like little intro cutscenes and big ending cutscenes and death conversations oh, yeah. for every boss, <laughs> and they're all like ten second long boss fights, yeah, that are completely easy. <laughs> Yeah, they these actually, huge, detailed animations. The animations are so good, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, they digitized, like, puppets or something. Like, it looks insanely They look good. like Donkey Kong Country renders. But I think, like, the way they did that was to videotape puppets and then kind of take out some of those Man, like, whatever they, whatever they did, that game it has looks, such a unique look to it. It looks great. And it doesn't waste your time in the interstitial levels either. They Not are at all. They're just like, like everything just happened. Like you, like the Mike Man comparison is apt. I think just because like yep. the levels are so short, it goes by really fast. It's not hard to grasp what you need to do. It's funny as stage. fuck. Uh, it's funny <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it goes places. It really does. It's it's it goes more places than Mike, man. I'll give it that. Yeah, it goes like more yeah, fucking minecart levels, and oh then like God, fuck that minecart. The level. ice stuff. God, the minecart and the boat can go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. the boat part. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was rough in a few places, but no, 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 yeah. so much that I got stuck for more than a little while. And then, like, game once. the whole end game, like changing the camera view, basically to be more, way more zoomed out, was super weird. That was so and crazy. Vertically scrolling. <laughs> Man, I think I think that that is like a socks cast game though. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's just like like this is the game we need to champion. Like, I think it's just because so nobody good. else played it. Nobody literally. else played it, but it's just like I think that more people like that love platform games. That like mm-hmm. it's SWR JST DX Selective Memory Erase Effect. It's like three or four dollars. It's two, I think, or at least it was when I last checked. Really. It has my initials in it. Yeah, it does. Helps it makes it easy for me to remember. But it's it's a it's just such a fine little game. It's yeah. So brilliant. It's just yeah, it's charming in every way. Like if you like me and Rhett's games, I feel like you're kind of it's cert- like it really felt like kind of a sense of humor that resonated with me a lot with I keep saying this game is funny. <laughs> I did not come away from it like with a feels bomb or anything. I came away from it just like, oh my god. <laughs> Cause everything... I didn't come away from, with it from a feels bomb, but it was more like, wow, this kind of dark. <laughs> and we, like, when I streamed it, we had, we had Ray oh, on commentary, and he was doing, like, this crazy robot voice for, like, the other, the other you. And it was just like, it was just like this. But, like, and, he, and they just kept reading it that way the whole time. And it was just like, it just added so much creepiness to it. I can't wait to watch that. I, I forgot about it. I need to get back to that and watch through. I never actually, because I, I, you said it went places. So I was like, oh, I'll just play it. 
And I did, and it was great. That that stream was, a, was great. I, I didn't even know that I was going to complete the game. I just wanted to stream that night, and I was like, "Man, this yeah. game looks weird. Let's play this." And then it yeah. ended up being like, "Let's play. Let's let's just finish this fucking thing. We have to. We have what to." What a see great this through. just to spend ninety minutes to two hours. Yeah, <laughs> basically, I had a blast with that little thing. It is. It's funny because I think me and Polly got that in a bundle for a different game. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, here's some weird thing that came with it. And then, like, whoa, what the hell what is the this? What the hell is this? And it's just weirdly, like, holistic, ultimately. Absolutely. It's such... Man, that game's so cool. It's so fucking cool. I, I finished Mario 2. Like, I I sang that game's praises a whole lot on the last Sox cast, and I went and finished the yeah. last level. That's and it really game. did go places. It's a good game. It's a good game. Yeah. Good-ass game. It's kind of perfect, I feel like. It's just in a way that... Not a lot of platformers really feel to me. It just everything about it makes made perfect sense yeah, to me. It, basically, it makes a lot of sense. It's a really, really solid, mm -hmm. solid little game. And I finally picked Zero Time Dilemma back up again. Ooh! So I'm, yeah. I'm, I've only played through like five more segments since mm -hmm. since I am. So I'm not that far into it, like five hours. So I'm going to keep chugging away at that, and we can bring that talk about that in depth later on. Yeah, that that that's another game that goes places. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. And we play, and I played the beginner's guide, so we can talk about that. Oh, <laughs> um, later we'll be talking about that. Like I said, spoiler cast at the end. Don't worry. So speaking of weird ass little that make me make, I downloaded this RPG Maker game called this Helen's Mysterious Castle. Mm -hmm. I don't because the trailer made me feel fuzzy inside. I thought like it, it was like when I first saw it, I thought it was like wait, Mylan's Secret Castle? That game's terrible. <laughs> And I played it. Um, I played it for like four hours. I think I'm about halfway through, and it is just the shit. It is this two dollar RPG maker game. You can go buy um, the battle. It's mostly a dungeon. Mm -hmm. The battle system has basically no random numbers. You know exactly how much damage you will deal to enemies, and how much damage they will deal to you, and what n their next move is, and how many. Um, and how long until they use it in turn points, which basically time. Um, it's kind of like turn-based ATB, basically, but with it's only all the fights are one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so the problem with games that remove RPG type things that remove the random the random element is you basically just there's basically no strategy to it. You get stuff like kind of the bell tolls, where yeah. it's just better have the right numbers. Yeah, but you can have up to like eight options, eight different things you can items you can use in combat at a time, and you can level them all up, and you can choose from a varied pool of items that are all very different strategically. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was a lot of times where I felt like, and you can grind whenever you want. Um, and whenever you die, it, it boots you back at home, and you get your friend makes you a stake that gives you one extra max hit point. Oh, that's so it's awesome. Real, yeah. And I dropped some items because I hit the inventory limit. And then later on, you come across a guy who's been picking up all the little dungeon items that he comes across on the floor. Oh, that's And puts oh them in treasure chests for you. That's, so, that's really well thought out. Yeah. And there's no check. There's no. It boots you back at home every time you boot back up until you finally get to an inn in a later town. Mm -hmm. um, so And you open up all these little shortcuts into the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and figure that kind of thing out so you can keep coming at it from different angles, basically. And get, get to where you need to go a bit quicker. Yeah. 
and it feels great to play. Like I think it's a lot of default RPG Maker music and graphics. Yeah, it looks like the music. The music is completely reorchestrated, I think, and all the graphics have like five times as many frames of animation. And so it's a really weird effect where it looks like an RPG Maker 2000 game. Yeah, but one that feels and looks gorgeous and amazing to play. Yeah, it's definitely, like, it's got a custom battle system and stuff going on. Oh, like, yeah. There's definitely thought put into um, the work of this game. Like, you can definitely see, like, the backgrounds are not stock from RPG Maker mm-hmm. in the battles. Like, uh, there's definitely still some customization going on with a lot of yep. this stuff. Um, but, yeah, this looks really, really neat. Yeah, and it starts off with, there is no cutscene. It just boots you into the game, like Final Fantasy One style. Nice. And- so it makes you think that there's, like, nothing really to it. And then it slowly starts peeling away these little layers. And so far, the the kind of the narrative aspect of the game has been really cute and rewarding. Yeah. Um, it's so it's kind of, really well on Steam, too. The reviews are pretty solid for it. Yeah. For, like, the $2 RPG Maker game That I never up. happens! Yeah. That I never heard of. I never pick games up on a whim. I always hear from somebody that they're good. But... I did with this one, and I'm having a really good time with it. Yeah, this um, almost sounds like this year's Undertale. Almost. It's it's not that because it's it's very much like a mechanically mm-hmm. it's very sound very and focused thing. predicated on its combat and the yeah. dungeon and system. Oh, you know, the dungeons are so smart. There's hidden walls that they introduce early on. It's basically exactly what exactly what I went to do when I first started working with RPG Maker. They've done and done perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> the kind of dungeons I wanted to make. I will probably pick this up. Uh, it does look really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So even if it shits the bed in the last half of the game, mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten two two dollars yeah. worth of. It's fun also out of it. really cheap. Yeah, this yeah. is definitely like an easy two dollars to throw. Mm. You know, to throw at a game like because it just looks real good. It's a very like, and as RPGs go, it's about as low commitment. Yeah, like time wise as you get. Like, you just boot it up and start playing. So I'm really excited to play a bunch more of that. I'm going to play a bunch more, finish Melon's Mysterious Castle, and probably play a shit ton of Zero Time Dilemma. That um, sounds like good times. Those will, yeah. ba- those will balance each other out really well. Yep. <laughs> um, so those those were all the, that was all the bullshit. That's just, just the bullshit. Yeah, oh. that's how we, got, we got that out of the way. So now we can talk about the real, t- the real two things that I talk about. Oh. I finished Ruby. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, gets, I don't think you're going to get it. Like, it's pretty I, I, good. <laughs> I, hear it that, see, I hear that season three is kind of where it picks up. Yeah, because it's kind of bad until before that. <laughs> and then it gets pretty good. Like, I watched it again with Anna, and I had a really nice time. And then I thought about it. We listened to the music a lot in the car. And... It's, like, I think the way people sell it as, like, it gets so dark and grim, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, oh, have you watched Harry Potter <laughs> or anything? Yeah, that's kind of, like, the, the 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 impression I get from hearing people talk about it. It's like, oh, but it gets way darker and grittier, man. Yeah, no, no. It gets, it discovers what stakes are, basically. They're yummy, it, like, that's what they are. <laughs> and yeah, they stakes give you one are HP. Yeah, so season three is like, okay, what about all these stylish fights and songs and whatnot, but we also have, like, drama. And 
stakes and shit actually mattering. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, wow, that that's all that really needed to be pretty involving was just that extra ounce of, like, knowing what a story is, basically. So it goes from Legend of Korra to Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, I don't think it was ever Legend of Korra, because Legend of Korra, like, pretends it's meaningful. <laughs> Oof! Ouch! I, I feel like Legend of Korra pretends that it's getting, ringing these meaningful emotions out of you. <laughs> Whereas Ruby, Ruby is more like, for the first two volumes, it's more like the fluffier Neptunia cutscenes. Mm. Like, that's kind of, like, I've been enjoying rewatching those two volumes, actually, because now that I actually care about the characters, it's like, oh, now I can just kind of enjoy the Hitamari or um, Neptunia E beats of the show, where they're just, where it's just kind of the fights don't really feel super impactful or like anybody's in danger, but it's still stylish and cool, and these girls are all cute and they're, have nice chemistry. That's the new. Uh, that's the new Neptunia crossover, by the way. Neptunia cross Hitamori. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say cross Ruby, which would make sense. Mi- Miyako and and Neptune are great friends. Oh God, yeah. So you know, like how Rebirth One, like, kind of comes together in a neat way by the end, and it has that little through line with Vert and um, Vert and Iffy, mm-hmm. and it's just just yeah. enough to kind of elevate it a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what Ruby is. I think I I, res- I connected a lot more with um, Ruby Volume Three than I did with Rebirth One's ending. Um, like you're fired. There, yeah. <laughs> no, there's some like really kind of smart character relationships and through lines that kind of they end up build meaningful. and yeah stuff that actually comes together and feels meaningful and like and. Like the the whole fact that the show's creator died yeah. right before the it came out, yeah. Um, just sort of a lot of the meat of that show in volume three, you can kind of feel like they are maybe channeling some of that hurt. Yeah, yeah. That's like kind of what I had gathered from hearing yeah. about it. One of the um, one of the uh, fight scenes near the end of it is made up of through a really clever device is made up of a bunch that Montium had done earlier. That's really cool. Uh, it ends with them with a bit of animation that reminds you of a character that died and it's and then a really actually meaningful moment with one of the main characters. So That's really tasteful. It's very tasteful. And then the um it ends on a very nice kind of empire-y um downbeat and climax that works really nicely and they build up to it very smartly. Um the big sad Dumbledore dying th- moment at the end. Not actually the Dumbledore, because there is a Dumbledore. Um, is probably my favorite moment in the show. Um, because they build up to it so tactfully. Um, and hearing some of the plans of where the show was going to go, where it was going to, like, kill off one of the girls to motivate this boy, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the route they go instead with how that whole arc plays out is so much smarter and better. Yeah. Um, I would say anything other than that original plan is probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Would, yeah. Would, would they have to change the name of the show if they killed one of the rubies? <laughs> they killed one of the rubies. Um, I consider that. I, I really thought for a second. They they made me believe that it could happen. Um <laughs> Whether or not it does, but they made me believe it could happen. So, like, 
it doesn't get like super dark or anything. And I think it's still a kid's show. Yeah. Like apparently they added like a viewer discretion advised thing to the back half of volume three, which is just hilarious to me because I read fucking Harry Potter as a kid. I can, <laughs> kids can deal with shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems to always be the case. Like kids yeah. can't deal with complex issues, but yeah, thankfully we've got things like Steven universe that kind of prove that wrong. Yeah. It's not that Ruby gets dark in the volume three. It's that it actually just gets good. And it made me retroactively like all the stuff before that better. And that's what I meant by Volume 1 and 2 not being Korra. They just don't pretend to be. <laughs> like, they they don't reach out to try to grab emotions out of you that aren't there. So gotcha. you kind of enjoy them as fluff. Um, yeah, I looked at Season 3 is still not on Netflix. No, but no, because which makes it more annoying to watch because you, the YouTube ones are more separate and they have the theme song before every episode but the episodes are about 15 minutes in volume three versus like eight so the theme song is uh, kind of easier to deal with yeah um yeah i frez watched through all through the rest of it and had a good time like going ah ah, 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 <laughs> more, more canadian eh. yeah there we go eh. <laughs> eh. maple syrup so he's on board, I'm on board, Anna's all on board. We're up for volume four, seeing where this show goes from here. Yeah. Um pretty fucking pretty pumped. It's like it's not like high art or anything. It's not or <laughs> it's not more than it is. Um the fact that it has rooster teeth behind it mm-hmm. and their huge promotional arm probably makes it is probably making it a bigger deal oh, than absolutely. it is than it should be. <laughs> Uh, if this it's was not, just like a weirdo side anime, it's not. Then, more, it's not more than it is, but it is more than it was. It yes, there you go, and it became functional, and I really appreciate that. Nice. Um, and then there's and then, just one, yeah. And then the other big thing to talk about is Chibi Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> we watched through. We had that on as background noise for like three three days straight. It's pretty cute, honestly. Um, so that was all bullshit, basically. Like, fuck all that. Yeah. Um, John hates everything. He's just not a big fan, man. What happened to Happy John? Because you know what is actually good? You know what I looked through 20 episodes of in the last week? Because it's really, really, really Is The Adventure Zone by the McElroy brothers and father. Oh, Uh, this is my favorite podcast it's ever. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. How much are y'all familiar with it at all? I'm familiar with it, but I haven't listened to a whole bunch of it. Yeah. I've listened I, to a bunch of it as a thing to fall asleep to, so like I hear like half of certain episodes. It's so very, it's all kind of disjointed very, to me. It, it is yeah, another in the long line of McElroy Brothers podcasting. It is, they have a lot of stuff. They are they are machines. I swear to God. I don't God. know. They have a website just to dedicate it to keeping up with everything they're doing. Yeah. God. It's they're nuts. Monster Factory is amazing. MBMBAM is amazing. Carboys is amazing. Carboys. I've, I've been keeping up with this Pokemon Y Nuzlocke run. Griffins. Yeah. Griffins Amiibo Corner is amazing. The Amiibo Corner. So Griffins cool. in particular seems to do just an insane amount of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Griffin, yeah, Griffin's Griffin's my favorite boy. 
Um, <laughs> well, in he's general, the baby boy. Not, not, not just uh, the McElroy's. I mean, in general, Mick Griffin is <laughs> just your favorite boy. Yes, he's just well, he's the baby boy. Would you put him in so. your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laugh. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So. So all that we just said, it's all bullshit because the Adventure Zone <laughs> is my favorite thing that they do. Um, and it's it's Griffin DMs. He kind of drives the story, but they all the the whole family contributes beautifully yes. to the project, including the dad. Why is everybody in that family so fucking funny? It's very honest runs in the family, yeah. Like there's uh, just an amazing sense of humor and quickness of wit. That runs in that family that is so fucking crazy. It's like, how do you grasp that? It's nuts. And you can't fake that because they do they do it all live, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. I just remember when I thought, like, oh, this Justin McElroy guy is real fucking funny. And then they find out, like, oh, his whole family's like, nuts. Yeah, like, the first funny. time I think most people got a dose of, uh, yeah. of Justin was when he appeared on a Giant Bomb E3 post-show. And he was talking about a Sherlock Holmes game that they were demoing for him, and the person that was demoing it for him just spoiled the whole fucking game for him. <laughs> and he was just in the floor dying. Like, he literally fell off the couch laughing. <laughs> yeah, the way he tells this story is just, like, the funniest thing yeah, ever. Yeah, like, he's just... A... And then you just realize later, like, it's not just that story being funny, it's just him being a yeah, funny guy. Yeah, he is just one of the funniest people ever. Yeah, that was one thing I realized. I was like, oh my god, Monster Factory could so easily be so bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, and, but they, they just sell that. They, they make it, they, they, I think they just tell stories. They kind of weave into, like, these little narratives, basically. Yeah, they tell, the, like, these little stories, just little <laughs> self-contained five-minute bubbles. Improv stories, yeah. Yeah, and... Still nuts. The way they, like, put that shit together and so off the top of their head, it's just like, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, Carboys is yeah. really obvious, is, is really clear, because it's just, like, the, such this simple thing, just playing with this physics toy. Yeah. And then seeing the kind of stories arise out of that is just, like, <laughs> a blast. Um, yeah, you, you can definitely hear them doing that on Mabim Bam, yeah. where it's just like, they have this question, and they're just like, keep prodding at it, like, what's the <laughs> angle here we're going to get? And then, and then just they always find something. And then they Come just, on down, tit liquids. <laughs> tit liquid. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the narratives that they construct around these stupid stories is just crazy, uh, like, it's so nuts. Mm -hmm. One where Griffin talks about if he could go and if they would... If he could, if would you rather go into the Flintstones world or not? And he said, "Well, fuck that." But if it was Pokemon, if I found out that I could go into the Pokemon world and I would die in a month, or stay with my family for forever, <laughs> I would. Bye. <laughs> oh, go check out Saturday Morning Tea Cartoon Channel and look—it's Griffin. He's the happiest he's ever been. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so good. Adventure Zone. It, it it's worth listening yeah. to very dedicatedly, I think. Um yeah, cuz there it's more than any of that. It is a narrative. Um it's the best thing that they do is take narratives and it's like this in its most extreme form. Yeah, cuz this is probably the most deliberate. Even though it's still super improv and 
kind of coming together naturally, and that's what gives it sort of its humor. Um, it's kind of the most deliberately crafted storytelling they probably do. Yeah. Because um, Griffin does a whole lot of thinking ahead of time over where he wants that story to go in certain ways. And um, just the way that that, uh, that that kind of grand vision then comes together in the making with the whole family. Yeah. It's so perfect. It's if, so funny. If If I got a chance to go to Pokemon World... I would try to wrangle a threesome with Jesse and James. Okay. Well, obviously. I that would man, I bet that would be some real good sex. Yeah. Man. I'm with, I'm with you there. I would be down. What about you, Rhett? What do you think? James just seems kind of non interested in sex to me. He's yeah. Very, probably. Seems sterile or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's well. <laughs> Wait till I get a hold of that little PP and show him what for. <laughs> there you go. So with the Adventure Zone, it just kind of went from, like, the premise. The premises of each arc went from like, um, arc one. Oh, we're in a cave after a magic artifact. Arc two, murder mystery on a train. <laughs> arc three, Die Hard, and then Mad Max. Yes. Arc oh, four. that whole car race was really great. I do remember listening to that one. Yep. Arc 4, I'm on now. Um, y'all, Did y'all read Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut? Wow. <laughs> We're doing that. Um, <laughs> and just that it's so funny, and also the end of the car race arc. Um, it gets really anime and really gay, and I cried a lot. <laughs> At the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh my god! And then I listened to it again, and then I cried again, and then I looked at fan art for an hour. <laughs> I guess uh, Austin Walker kind of does a bit of the same thing with Friends at the Table. I need to get on that shit. Austin Walker's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think it's more, a little more focused and a, a yeah. lot less silly. Uh, but, but nonetheless, Austin Walker's just always fun to listen to. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. So, yeah. Oh my god, though. Yeah, the the end of the whole car chase arc <laughs> and how that resolves. It just, it was like, I kept, like, waiting. Like, they, they he set up little threads earlier on, and then I'd remember them, and then be like, okay, is he gonna remember this? He's not gonna remember this. He's not gonna remember this. He's not, oh my god, he remembered it! <laughs> and then, but, and not only would he deliver on kind of the thing I was waiting for, but then do so... In just the best, 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 best way possible. Um, way better than I would could have imagined. <laughs> um, it's it gets so anime and gay. Oh, oh, anime and gay. John's favorite two things. I think yeah. Those I are think the same thing. Let's be honest. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <gasps> oh, gay anime. Gay anime. God, and I I wouldn't have thought it would get much better than the than the fucking. Murder mystery on the train, because by the end of that, whoo, it that's another one that just goes places. Um, the way all that resolves is so clever, and yeah. I can't wait to keep listening. And they've got finish up the arc I'm on now, and then there's one more arc they just wrapped up. Um, and then I think they're they've still got more coming. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm excited because I think they said really good. I think they said they're going to be slowing down though because of you know life commitments and the TV show they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so, I think one of them is about to have a kid or had a kid. I forget. Uh, yeah, I think Griffin's Something wife is like pregnant. That. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. God. 
You know what I've noticed? That, like a lot of podcasts now are just talking about how funny the McElroys are. It's <laughs> like it's not surprising. Like I've noticed Alex on Giant Bomb references them a lot now. Yeah. Where he'll just like tip to toe. That's a so and so like referencing the Bart thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's yeah. yeah. The McElroy brothers they're just naturally gifted and very they're funny. Taking over the internet with. I mean, eventually, at the rate they're going, 99% of all internet humor will be from them. Yeah, more than likely. Because they have so many shows. Yeah. Just by sheer and volume, they, they yeah. have to be on top. There's still so much McElroy left for yeah. me. <laughs> I'm yeah, I had somehow, I'd somehow totally missed Carboys <laughs> until this week, so I just watched that. I watched, like, the first seven of eight in one night. I was just, like, literally crying laughing at this one part. <laughs> They're just, like, attempting to shoot a guy through a school bus over and over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah. Why are you listening to us right now? You should just go listen to the McElroys. We're not funny. keep their podcast under an hour, too. Yeah, you can get a lot. (laughs) How do they do that? I don't know. Griffin, I think, is just really good at editing. Yeah. Like, kind of pulling things together to feel natural and smart kind of dodging but even yeah. then the live episodes are still a blast to listen to so yeah. i am I hopefully know. i am hopefully going to candle nights this year Ooh. awesome awesome so like to get to see them do their thing live mm-hmm. that'll be so cool yeah they're just they're they're just the best um so yeah out of all the all the really good art i kind of got in dug into this last three weeks, I probably got the deepest catharsis from the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. That's really awesome. <laughs> yep. And I that is that is the meat of it. That is everything. That is the meat of it. Speaking of meat, speaking of some big meat. Oh boy. Big old meat. Boy, you got a big old pecker. I was about to say, I think she's talking about Rhett's. His wiener yeah. is very large, very satisfying. And very in charge. <laughs> very in charge. It'll charge right through you. You literally die. It'll slow it down to 16x speed just to see it in motion. (laughs) He will fuck your pussy so good you'll have another pussy by the time he's done. It's coming out the other end. It's It's very painful. I'll I'll be up that that one. (laughs) 16x speed. So yeah, other than fucking. What you been oh, yeah, up to? I, I did all the fucking. You did all the fucking, but <laughs> yeah, totally. we hear about you fucking all the time, right? I mean, can you give us something else? You know, I know that <laughs> you and your sexual exploits. This is the worst segue into what I want to talk about ever. Oh, no. That makes it even better. <laughs> so I you... watched an anime for little girls, basically. <laughs> oh, boy. Perfect. <laughs> When you said we're segue, I kind of predicted, like, okay, I think I've got an idea of where this is going. And then you're like, yes. Yes. All right. Tell so us you, about uh, your Tell, tell us, us about, about little girl thing. anime. And then we'll get back to the, and then we'll get back oh, to the dick. Boy. Yeah. Then we'll get back. Uh, yeah, that could be your new nickname. Dick boy. That's too on the nose. <laughs> you, you want your dick on my nose? <laughs> Just like plants the tip of his pecker right on my nose. That's his fetish. This episode just isn't ever ending, is it? (laughs) Aaron Purgatory. 
<laughs> just pops it gently on the nose. Boop. Just boop. Hello. Kind of like you, how you boop a kitty leave. on the nose. You boop a kitty or a kitty boops oh, you on the nose. Geez. Rhett does. Rhett <laughs> boops you on the nose with his the, with the head of his penis. Just Aaron boop. walks out. That's it. He's outside. That <laughs> <laughs> <Not> right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, little girl anime, continue. Oh, Christ, I have to go into that. Right into it! Go, go right into it. Head first, if you will. <sighs> head first, you get it? <laughs> head I first. Have heads. <laughs> Just right into it. E- ease yourself into it, right? Oh my god. Just, e- <laughs> Just ease yourself in. <laughs> Wait, is this another Studio Shaft anime? Can't. Why don't we go back to the little girl anime? You can what? jump to something else. Like, what's after that? Oh, what, more little girl anime. Uh, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. There's some stuff sandwiched between little girl anime. Sad little girl. We should just skip the news for now. <laughs> no, we got, you got this, right? You got you it. Mean? You got it. You're in there. You're really in there. Start working. <laughs> All the dick jokes have been building up to this. <laughs> Talk about this an, intense, an intense build up and explosion of dick. People are going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck is so funny? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to us, goddammit. Yeah. Yep. I thought I was done and then John said shaft. I'm just yeah, like, that oh, fucking fuck did it. it. I'm dead now. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. All right, we are professionals here, and we can conduct <laughs> yes, ourselves. In a, we can conduct ourselves in a manner befitting of a podcast that is very classy and professional. So, Rhett, how are you doing? Yes, I'm doing well. You're doing very well. It sounds like it. I hope you're. Do- I hope that you're well enough to tell us a bit about what you've been up to these last two weeks. Yes, Th- three it's weeks. Great. Actually, three weeks three now. Weeks. Yeah, because I had a long list of stuff for last time, and then we didn't record, and now the list is significantly longer somehow. Yes. Yes. Um, I watched the show Tweeny Witches, which it's a real bad name. Yeah, I thought, like, I've always seen it, and I've always seen it talked about in very positive manner, but it's just like the name is just so dumb. So, the name in Japanese is totally different. It's yeah. like Magical Girl Squad Arusu. Yeah. Because they do the fucking Alice thing where they refuse to actually spell it correctly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's a point in the show where she even goes like, man, my name sure sounds like Alice, huh? <laughs> Arusu. Arusu. Oh my god. Like, it's real dumb. But, uh, the show is really strange. How so? Uh Because it just has the weirdest directing style I've ever seen in an anime. Especially for, like, the first third or so. Uh Uh-huh. It, like, starts mid-story. Like, almost exactly Hmm. like the Escaphone anime 
when it aired on Fox and they removed the first episode. Yeah. That's what this feels like, where it just starts with her landing in a magical world and she, she came from Earth. And then, like, you get a flashback that's, like, two minutes long, like, 20 minutes into the episode. It's just, like... And just stuff is moving super, super fast for the first episode. It just throws you into the deep end, into this really confusing and strange world. And Gotcha. It makes kind of a real shitty first impression. You're just like, this show, like, literally makes no sense. I have no idea what's going on. Uh-huh. So, weird. and it's weird because it's, a, like, a pretty simple plot where, hey, normal girl on Earth believes in magic... And then something happens and she gets te- teleported to a world where, oh, magic is real now and there's witches everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. It's Woo. like pretty standard stuff as, as far as anime goes. Right, right. Yeah. At least so, it's not a fucking MMO. Yeah. Well, this show is from 2004. This is from before that became yeah, the, the, plot. Com- the plot of overall anime. But so I like this show, but it's also very strange because like the directing is weird. And then the first couple episodes are real, just all very episodic things. Oh. And then around episode seven or eight, like they start to have hints of like a major plot line and it's like, they keep teasing it and they keep going and like, Oh no, the world is going to end. And they keep dragging this plot line out for the entire rest of the show. Oh, Lord. Weird. It just, it really feels like it just completely starts spinning its wheels at some point And just like, like it oh. Didn't, like, it didn't have enough material to cover its runtime? I don't know, because it's an anime original, and it's only 20 episodes, uh-huh. which is kind of a real unusual length. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I thought you were guys were going to be done with this whole thing by episode 13, but here we are, you keep going. And it's just like, by the end, I'm just like, man, I wish they had done more, like episodic stuff at the start of the show to kind of build the characters more because that stuff ended, ended up being more entertaining. That's part of the best part of the show. Yeah. Even weird. though at the time I was just like, man, the show is super weird, but it almost kind of lost its identity as being super weirdly directed once it the main plot kicked in. Because uh, it kind of became more standardized feeling. Very focused. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the lack of focus is kind of its strong point, but then it loses that. Yeah, in in a weird way. It's, it's a very strange show. Like, I've never seen directing as weird as the first few episodes of this. And part of it is just, like, budget cutting to extreme levels where, like, uh-huh. there'll be a shot of a character's eyes and they're talking. Oh, wow. And then, and then like, a reverse shot of another character's eyes and they're talking. Or, like... Shots where the characters' heads are all off-screen and they're talking to each other. We can't even pay for a lip flap. Yeah, like if you're cutting lip flap. But then there's other stuff where it's just like... Like an episode that just starts like halfway through the story and then the entire thing is narrated while the characters are animated doing another thing. It's just weird. It's very interesting. It sounds very experimental, if anything. Yeah, definitely, especially towards the start. And like the whole world is really weird. And like they find out... There's a whole, like, history of, like, the witches and the warlocks and, they, like, hey, there's a matriarchal society and a patriarchal one and, like, they trade men and women once they reach a certain oh, age. That's <laughs> real dark. But, yeah. But not in a dark way, but just, like, hey, here's why the witch society has, like, all women is because they kind of hook up with the men's society at some point. <laughs> but otherwise, the witches are, like, it's a 100% female society. Weird. Um, 
So the weird thing, so the show ends at episode 20 for the most part. And then I noticed there were six more episodes on Netflix. And I find out that in 2007, like three years later, they did an OVA of six more episodes. Oh, whoa, weird. And, the, and Netflix just shoved them in and it's there. It's just like, oh, hey, here's the rest of the show. Weird. And boy, these were real disappointing episodes. Oh, no. <laughs> because first thing is that the budget on them seemed real all over the place. Like, the second one is, like, the worst animated thing in the entire show by a huge margin. Like, uh-huh. normally when I watch anime, I don't really notice things like characters being off-model that much. But this show, not just this one OVA episode, but, like, through the entire show, like, I'd be like, wow, the characters look super weird in this episode. Like, there's one episode that just almost looks like they're rotoscoping the faces. Like, everyone oh, all of a sudden weird. looks super Japanese. Like, they look like they're tracing faces or something. That's real weird. It's just all over the place. So this one episode, just, like, everybody looks like they're kind of sketchy outlines. And, like, none of the lines are straight. It's all over the place. So these OVA episodes seem to take place, like, towards the start of the show with the rest of the episodic stuff. And it's just like, oh, but, like... There's no tension now. There's no through line. There's no, like, bigger story arc. It's just six just episodes. Just some episodes. And then it ends. That's really It's just very strange. The show sounds like a weird mishmash of ideas that yeah. don't get, quite get followed through on. But it's super weird that these the OVA episodes were made, like, years later. Yeah. And they still have the same weird eccentricities and problems as the main series, like... It almost yeah. feels like, oh, we found these episodes we didn't finish. Let's put them out or something. <laughs> so that show, it had so much promise of being like this cool action adventure thing. And like, I really like the setting. It's, it is like the closest to um, a Little Witch Academia full anime that we've gotten yet. And like the main character is extremely similar to the girl from that. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Where are they making is... a full show of that later? I think they are actually. Yeah. That's excellent. Because so, the main girl in Tweety Witches is just, she believes magic is to make people happy and at a, absolutely any cost. And she doesn't want to fight anybody. She doesn't want to hurt anybody with magic. And it's really sweet. And then, But then when the end of the world comes and she's still like refusing to fight and she has no plan on how to t- accomplish things with that, it ends in a super weird way. Mm-hmm. There's a twist at the end of the show that just made me go like, R- really? Like, not not like Avatar bad, but like really just it wraps up in a hurry in a bit, kind of bad way mm-hmm. weird it the world almost reminded me of panzer dragoon at times where oh, that's it's cool so foreign and weird and then when you meet the warlock society like they fully embraced science even though they have a world with magic they're yeah, like that's, yeah, fuck that. we weird. like science so they're running around in like these airships that like look very suspiciously similar to the stuff from panzer dragoon so they're kind of the empire oh, i see so it's it's got so many good ideas and stuff and just such a weird execution. And then it like disappeared on Netflix two days ago. That's why oh, that's why I was finishing yeah. it. It was because like Netflix is like, Hey, this is disappearing on the 15th. I'm like, Oh fuck. I have to finish it now. Yeah. I, I know like the DVD rights for that show disappeared long ago. It's been all over the place. And I guess whoever had it now had it on Netflix, but then, I don't know why stuff disappears from Netflix. It's such a bummer. Yeah, it's it's weird. Licensing sucks. Yeah, it's so strange. And then I... So, I saw some other movies, but nothing really 
worth talking about here. So I mm. played a lot of video games. Oh, video games? Yeah, we talk about those sometimes. We do. <clears throat> what are the, What are they? <laughs> They're things, um, electronic... Okay, depends if you're spelling it with video games <laughs> or it's one word video games. They're actually different things. I prefer digital games. Uh, Interactive digital... Vitaroo Vitter- Vitter- games. They're, they're just called Vitaroos. They're just Vitaroos. Yeah. So I've had some stuff on my Steam to be played list uh-huh. for a very long time. Don't we unlike, all? Unlike most people. Yeah. But games that I had put, say, 20 hours into, then kind of fell off from uh-huh. sitting on that list right. for about half a year. Oh, my God. So I finally got back and finished Hyper Devotion Noir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> strategy spinoff. Was it, yeah. Was it worth it? Yes. What? Yay! I what? actually really kind of came around on it by the end right. in a weird way. So, the bulk of that game is just straight up bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, though. Like, chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 are all the exact same thing, where you beat up these generals, and then they join you. And that's uh, the whole thing. Yeah. So, I was at, like, the end of 6, or maybe around there, when I picked it up. So, I was almost through all that crap. So, I finally got to the, kind of, the end game. And... The difficulty gets nuts at that part, but the, like that's why I kind of liked it because it finally felt like the game was just putting taking the kids' gloves off. So chapter eight is you lose all the generals like right away after getting all of them, and there's this huge four round fight. It's like four, four like, big fights in a row. Yeah, and they don't let you save, even though I think you can do like oh, the quick save or whatever. Know. And I think if you actually lose any of them, you can restart from that one. Oh, I see. But. So you lose all the generals and you lose Noir. So you have three characters, uh, Neptune, Blonde, and Vert. Uh-huh. And it only lets you use three characters. So I had the two DLC characters, IF and Kampa. Nice. <clears throat> so it forces you to stick those the three CPUs in first, though. But then I go up to the first wave of enemies and they just fucking wreck me. Because I'm <laughs> oh, way wow. underleveled. Oh. So I'm like, okay, let me swap out Vert for Kampa. So then I have a healer now. And I was able to muscle through and win. Nice. And nice. Was, like, I did these four fights in a row using the same strategy of have Vert get killed and then swap <laughs> in Kampa. And then they all gained like 15 levels doing this. And I beat that whole section like first go. Vert's trash anyway, so it doesn't matter. You can throw her. Yeah, so she got way in. behind everybody level-wise. And then... So then I reached... Uh, Whatever the last chapter is, I guess it's chapter nine. And really, like, again, I started the battle and got completely wrecked. So I went to do one of the, like, side training things. And, like, you can do, like, side missions to level up and they unlock as you progress through the game. So I I did the one that was ranked S, like, the hardest one. I was just mm. like, you know, I'll just be totally dumb and go for the hardest one, which is probably actually harder than the mission I'm trying to do right now anyways. <laughs> and, it, and it has, like, this level 77 enemy in it, and my team is, like, 50s to 60s. Oh, Lord. So it's got this one enemy with, like, 999 HP. Good. Like 9,999 HP. And I finally figured out how the AI in that game works, where it will only ever move if it can hit you with an attack. Yeah. So I very carefully, like, kind of line everybody up as far away from the enemies as I can, and I'm just, like, slowly baiting them out one at a time by just, like, advancing as slowly as possible. So we get 
kill through the fodder enemies, and then there's just this one ridiculously strong guy left, and he basically kills everybody. Because <laughs> he can move, like, twice a turn and shoot a laser. Oh, and good. ridiculously strong. But he doesn't do one thing. He doesn't kill my character that can revive. Oh. And because she's way on the left side of the map, he'll never aggro her because she's too far too away. Too far out of the range. Oh, wow. So, so I just stood there for like a half an hour, <laughs> reviving one character over and over, <laughs> having them like take one smack at him and getting killed, and then reviving again. That sounds like <laughs> Anna at the, at the climax of a Pokemon game where he doesn't fight half the trainers on the way there. <laughs> yeah, it's and just like abusing the strategy to just have this one character just keep reviving, 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 just slowly chipping this one guy down, and eventually. Uh getting a ton of experience and being like that was that was pretty dumb and great so then the final like segment of battles is kind of a kefka's tower thing uh-huh. awesome where, so you have like the 18 generals and the four cpus yeah and you have to make four parties out of all of them oh that's cool yeah and it's it's like a super long segment though because like each of these battles was taking me like at least half an hour each. Yeah, it's a strategy like, game. That's meant to but, be the way. But again, another section where you have to do four in a row without having a hard save. Oh. So I was exhausted by the end. So, like, I'd been only using, like, my favorite generals most of the time. So, like, they were in the 50s to 60s, and, like, the rest of them, just from kind of experience leech, were, like, maybe 44, 45. Ouch. So, like, I was trying to div- divvy it up so that there's at least one or two characters in each group that isn't going to be total trash. Yeah. So I get to the fourth one, and it's this weird map where you have to warp around it. So then as soon as you use the warp points, you can't move off of it, so you can only send one character at a time. Yeah. And then the enemies will get, like, basically a free turn to wreck them. (laughs) So at the very end of this map, there's a big dragon, and my main character is Neptune. So I send her in, and she gets, like, petrified or something. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is bad. So over the next turns i'm trying to send everybody in to help support her as much as i can and this dragon's real strong he's another real strong enemy he's killing everybody and eventually i just end up with like if and one other character (laughs) and for some reason they were able to stay alive and kind of hold it down oh wow and because i was like terrified that i was gonna lose because i didn't know for sure if i'm like if i have to restart all four battles if i lose right now yeah or just that one yeah yeah and even if I lose that one, like, I don't know if I can beat this stupid dragon. Yeah, that's still, like, another half hour of, like, yeah. woof, woof. So the thing that was so important, though, about keeping two characters alive is that they can do the kiss power-up to raise their EXE. Yeah. So if you have one character, like, you're screwed. Like, there's nothing they can do. But because I had two characters, they could just keep, you know, kissing each other. Just keep kissing over. each other, yeah. See, I was just very slowly able to chip this guy down and win. And it was just, like, this really great, like, shouldn't have won, but I did yeah. win most. And it's just like, man, I kind of really like this game now. And then I got to the final boss, and it kind of fell apart. Don't. Ah. Because... So, spoilers, the final boss is R4 again. What? Yeah. And fighter first form. It's relatively difficult. It's, like, difficult enough to make it think it might actually be the end. Right. And then, Uh of course, she transforms into the other form. And it's just like, oh, it's the true final battle. And so, as I've said through all these fights, I'm a little underleveled. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah so it's I, kind of been so the, I, the story the whole time. Yeah, so I do the whole thing, buffing characters. Like, I have all the CPUs transform. I have, like, cast whatever strength up buffs I got. I have Neptune run up, and, like, her strongest attack, like, is doing one damage oh. on a boss that has 9,999 HP. That, that's going to take a while. So, and then, like, I have Noir go up, and she's able to do, like, 50 damage. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> it's not a fight you're supposed to lose. So, yeah, she, like, completely kills everyone in, like, one turn, because she also has the move twice per turn thing. Oh, goody. So, when you lose a fight, you can actually just pick, I want it easier. Yeah. So, so I pick easier, and I get wrecked again. And I pick easier, and I get wrecked again. Holy crap. So I think I did it like three, maybe four times until I was finally able to win, and it was still like really hard. I wonder if it only scales it down that once. No, it was definitely getting every, easier. Yeah, I, Trails like, of the Sky has a thing that does that too, where you can just like retry a fight and make it easier. Yeah. That's real cool shit. I definitely could tell it was getting easier each time, just purely on how much damage I was able to oh, do. Okay, so there were literally no damage at the first. Fiddling fight. with her stats a bit. So it's just like, okay, now she's taking, like, 100 damage. Now she's taking, like, 200 damage. Okay, like, this is... We're getting somewhere. And even then, like, <laughs> last fight still took a while. Cause, and I had, like... So it was the big, like, Dark Fells kind of R4 one where it's just, like, the huge monster. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I managed to, like, trap her by getting everyone surrounded around her. Oh. So she Because yeah. her big problem is that the AI would just move to where her laser attack would, like, hit everybody. Yeah. So eventually by surrounding her, she was only able to hit one side at a time. So yeah. it's like, okay, even if somebody dies, it's not like an immediate party wipe. Right. Yeah. So then there's the whole thing with the endings in that game. Oh, boy. There's the true ending, which requires level 70 Lily rank with every character. Oh, <laughs> my And this God. is a game that has way too many characters because there's like 18 generals. Yeah. So I, so I just got the normal ending. And it's this cute scene with the four main CPUs, and it's pretty funny. Uh-huh. Even though Neptune is like completely out of character that entire game. Yeah, I noticed that so, from what I played. She just Her dialogue see. is ridiculous. Yeah, she's not written very well. Yeah. So I got that, and I just immediately Googled Hyper Devotion Noir True Ending, and there's a just a six-minute YouTube video showing it. And I watch it, and I go, man, normal ending's better. Wow. Huh. It's the true ending focuses on the two weakest points of that game, the generals and the faceless male protagonist, who you don't give a crap about. <laughs> so, you get, so you get a scene with the generals, and then you get a scene with, oh, Noir is kind of in love with this guy. I'm just like, wow. I was happier with the normal ending. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a game I'm going to go back to. No. There's a funny part, though, in like one of the chapters when you lose Noir, it's because there's a dark, evil copy of Noir. And it's just like, man, they have done like copy Noir like yeah. four, three or four times in a row now in these games. It's just like a running gag now. Yeah. To have her get copied and trick everybody because everybody's a dumbass. Everybody's fucking stupid in this world. <laughs> So, but I was I came around on the game. Like the strategy stuff was pretty good, and like the fact that the final assault, like the Kefka thing, had four unique maps for each one. Like that's really cool. But I'm yeah. not gonna play a thirty-hour no. game to get to that point. No, definitely yeah. not. But just like 
the fact that this one game didn't feel like it ran out of budget at the end, like a lot of the NEP games kind of do, where they start reusing maps. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was a nice touch to be like, okay, the the map stayed unique till the end. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I played Odalis: The Dark Call. There are good pals of Joy Masher. Yeah, <laughs> we've enjoyed a lot of their games here on the old Socks Cast. Woo! So this is kind of an old schoolish NES platformer thing. Yeah. Probably the most notable thing about it is that it wants to have like its exploration cake and it's kind of tight level design cake and eat it too. Yeah, that like makes sense. it's separate levels that are selectable yeah. from a menu, but they also want you to kind of like explore those like you would a Metroid yeah. game, but but it's not seamless. Yeah, and I, I actually thought it worked really well in this and it's kind of interesting that they went back to a style that has definitely kind of fallen out of favor. Yeah. Because there were games back in the day that did that kind of thing. Like, even, like, Strider NES was... Yeah. ...levels or, like... What's that one Clash of Demon Head, I think? Clash of Demon Head, yeah. Like, this was a style that existed pretty prominently back then. Yeah. Where you revisit levels, but they were still their own things, and you could explore a bit. And, like, no one makes games like that anymore. It was really kind of interesting to see. And I think that's something that that is unique to Joy Masher in that... There are a lot of games that go for the retro style, but I don't think that they go in as hard as I've seen uh, Joy Masher's games do. Like, they seem to kind of get what it means to look, sound, and feel like games from that era, and not just like, here's my game, it's got pixels. Yeah, definitely. Like, it drives me nuts when people are like, oh, Shovel Knight looks like an NES game. Like, no, it doesn't. Like, Odalis looks like an NES game because every enemy is just three colors of the same shade. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, every enemy is just, like, light blue, dark blue, darker blue. Yeah, and, like, the main character is very reminiscent of the Konami style of uh, coloring, like, the the palettes they used on, like, the Belmont characters. Yeah. They actually even sell, like, DLC costumes for him that are very... Very, 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 very... What are the three? It's like Castlevania. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a Castlevania but, one. But... but they definitely like all but say what game they're from. Like, yeah. I think Ghosts and Goblins is another one. Like yeah. the armor set won't fall off this time. Yeah. It's really goofy stuff <laughs> like that. It's really cute. So I really like this game like towards the middle. Oh. I'm not saying I didn't like it by the end, but like there's a real sweet spot towards the middle where like... <laughs> Where everything like, kind of like, really doing... it kind of feels tight, like where they yeah. like. It definitely feels like a game that was developed start to finish in the order that it's presented, kind of like Hunters, where you see, oh. where you see kind of like the escalation of understanding how to work within the tools that you've created to make this game. Hmm. I sort of feel that that's how Odalis advances. Mm. Yeah, I kind of screwed that up though because I kind of went through it like almost as sequency break as possible mm-hmm. where like I finished the sub area to area two before I finished area two. Oh, like, nice. I, found, I found that secret exit and was just like, I'm going this way then. Nice. So like I found the third level sword before the second level. Holy sword. shit. That's fucking cool as hell. That's really cool. Cause like, you know, there's that ice mountain area towards the end. Yeah. There's the door that says, like, oh, you'll have to unlock this somewhere else. Yeah. So I thought it meant in another level. Oh. 
So I just did everything else besides that. And then I come back to it. I'm just like, I don't know how to open this fucking door. So I finally looked it up. It's just like, oh, it's the checkpoints, duh. So I get past that, and then I find the second level sword. I'm just like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> wow, that's I already, really cool. Yeah. So then when I got to like the last stage, he's like, oh, the barrier's gone. And I'm just thinking, he never saw the barrier. Because oh, wow. <laughs> I hadn't been there yet. It's like basically every opportunity that there was to do like one of the sub areas, I did it as soon as possible. To break it. That's really cool. So the second one was like super hard because I was going in there like as early as possible. Wow. But I think like when you, there's a real quick escalation of powers at one point where you like get the double jump and then you get the float or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can like ride up these wind tunnels. Yeah. I just felt like the double jump, on, I kind of thought broke the game a bit because you basically never have to ledge grab again after that. Yeah. I just felt like the size of the main character kind of felt a little tight with the double jump because it's like you're moving almost a whole screen. Yeah, the levels, levels kind of maybe needed to have been uh, a little zoomed a, out. A little zoomed out because of the character size. Yeah. But it works perfectly if you only have the single jump. It's just yeah. once that double jump, it's just like, oh, I am... Your mobility... Oh, yeah. And then there's the dash as well. Like, And when you're doing like a dash and then a jump, yeah. like, you, start, you start booking. Like, It's kind of funny like how slow that game feels at the start. And then you can really just move around real quick at the end. Yeah, yeah. And then... So I think one of your complaints was that you felt like you kind of had unavoidable damage in the levels. Yeah, yeah. I felt yeah. like a lot of times either just enemies or just certain bosses kind of like yeah. were BS. I definitely get that because I definitely felt like I don't think I died on like any bosses besides the final one. Yeah. It's just like just kind of tanking through damage and being like, oh, that was easy because I didn't really have to learn the pattern at all. I just attacked a bunch. Well, you also had the level three sword really damn early. No, I still got that, like, just before. Because you have to find that one guy three times. Right. Like, there's no way you're getting it particularly early. Right. But I think it trivialized, like, one boss maybe I got. I gotcha. <laughs> but anyways, uh, there's that funny Metroid ripoff boss. Yeah. I thought was really well done, though. <laughs> I love like, when they do I love when they do ripoffs because there's yeah. always a unique spin on it. Yeah, the way it, you were having to, like, float up and then drop down to hit the things was like an interesting twist on it yeah but it was just like as soon as i saw that thing and then like the rinkas are shooting at you i'm just like oh this isn't subtle at all not at all that was real cute so like it feels like a lot of the bosses though you're just kind of tanking damage and then you get to the last boss and holy shit he yeah. does like three hearts of damage and you're just like dead in four hits i'm just like wait what yeah it's kind it's of nuts a bit of a jump there yeah so I was just like, fuck this game. And then, of course, I kept banging my head against it till I got it. It wasn't really that bad. It just was, like, abrupt because it's the first boss you have to seriously pay attention to and learn the patterns on. Yeah. You can just take it through most of yeah. the other bosses, unfortunately. Yeah. But I don't think that really takes a lot away from just, like... I think the exploration in that mm -hmm. game still feels really good. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely. I like being in those levels. I love the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's a the, good game. The downsampled voice samples are great. It's real cheesy. Yeah. It's very one-bit DPCM NES. Like, they really, really wanted to uh, make an NES game here and did their best. I mean, I think they 
very much did make an NES game practically. Yeah. For all yeah. intents and purposes. Like it just feels so much more authentic than like basically anything outside of uh It feels authentic and genuine. Like you know that yeah. like there's a love there for what they're trying to, to do and emulate yeah. and add their own style to. Like you can definitely tell like <laughs> they just like these kinds of games. Yeah, and they recognize that they're kind of goofy. Like, the whole story in this is just... <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Hey, man, you want to talk silly. In Onikin, you ride a snowmobile while a polar bear chases you, and you throw grenades at him. Come on, man. That's pretty much every Contra game, so... It, that's, like, the best thing ever! <laughs> I should revisit Onikin, because I, like... Not to be too mean, but I almost thought Odalus was going to be more of, like... A generational upgrade and just feels like oh it's like another nes platformer yeah like it's more ambitious in scope but then oniken just played so well you know yeah it, it it's very like, like oniken is very slick and fast yeah. and very like not a lot of weight to it it's just like it's very fast ninja gaiden yeah and this is very it's much slower yeah for most of the game until you get the dash of course Mm-hmm. Uh, but it never really approaches that kind of like very quick enemy speeds mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, yeah of, of Onikin. I just almost wish Odalus had made me learn the boss patterns. So yeah, yeah. Just out for a little more resistance. Yeah, because I seriously like beat everyone my first try. It's just like I'm just mashing. Apparently, they did an update, or they're oh, doing really? a, they're doing an update of Onikin on Steam. Onikin? Yeah, apparently they're... Like, I'm gonna have to ask them about that. Oh, interesting. On top of, like, the cool Contra-ish stuff that Danilo Diaz has been posting. Yes, it's got me salivating. Their next game isn't an NES thing, it's a Genesis Hardcore thing. Yeah. Like, it's very much, hey, we're making Contra Hardcore now. I'm very, very stoked. It's a little on the nose, those sprites, though. They are, but but yeah. I mean, let's look at Super Cyborg. True, Super Cyborg. <laughs> they basically use the Super C logo. Um, the the the, the opening jungle area, and, <laughs> like the machine gun sound effect. Uh, yeah. go on and on. I like Super Cyborg, but man, those those so, last two stages are bar. <laughs> I never got that far. Yeah, there's a real weird line where. There's tribute to stuff, and then there's just actually taking stuff from those games. Yeah, like, which I'm not saying Super Cyborg does, but when we were playing a uh, Jet Gunner, woo. you and you and Boner were just like, "Oh, they're straight up that's, stealing." Stuff yeah, now. that's straight up Shatterhand. Yeah, that's that's kind of shitty. Because yeah. I remember his previous game was an NES thing too, as well, but it was a free game on Newgrounds. Uh-huh. So when it was stealing sound effects from Ninja Gaiden, it was okay. it was just like it was just like yeah, sure, whatever. But then doing a game on Steam and also having ripped sound effects. And I would say and I would say that Super Cyborg steals a bit more than you might think it does. Uh, that's it does have its own things, but I still think that there are a lot of things that are just straight up dog, come on, you stole that. Mm. Look at those jungle sprites and tell me that's not the fucking stage three jungle and super contra and super C. Hmm. That's too bad. So yeah, Odalis, Odalis was pretty good, and then I kind of forgot about it immediately after finishing it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely worth playing, I yeah. think. Like, if you've got the yeah. retro itch, you know, you, you've been to my site, you know what kind of style yeah. of games we typically gravitate toward. 
you gotta play Odalis the Dark yeah. Call. It's it's pretty rad. And I was too rad. scared to try it on the super hard mode. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling, based on Oniken, it's going to be a bit too much. Yeah, kind of barfy. Uh, uh, so next up, don't worry, folks, we got a lot more games to get through. I played Journey. <laughs> you played Journey? Oh, I love Journey. Wait, you oh, played it? Journey. Yeah, I played it. Like, several fi- times through with Anna. Oh, I figured this... You know what? I will say, I was thinking this would be a great game for John and Anna to play. Too bad this game doesn't support, like, local co-op. Yeah. So how did you, how did you play it with Anna? Well, we both I mean, traded controllers and watched oh. it. Watched See, it I thought it would be cool if Anna was, like, the player who invaded your game, Dark Souls and style. And that's, that's how we met. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yes, yeah. and then I got her name at the end of the credits and DM'd her, like, hey, baby, what's up? Heart, heart, heart. I'm, on, yeah. I'm in love with you. The way you solved that <laughs> puzzle, the way your cape flowed. <laughs> yeah, if only this game had puzzles. <laughs> What do you so, think of Journey, Rhett? This is a real weird game to talk about because it's so highly lauded and, like, I really did my best to, like, have the perfect experience where, like, I just sat down at, like, 1 a.m., turned off the lights, put on headphones. I'm just like, I'm going to play Journey. That's it. That's all I'm focused on right now. I'm going to play this game start to finish. And I did. And I had, like, the pretty much the perfect experience with one person me joining me right at the start in, like, the third area. And then staying with them the entire rest of the game, as far as I know. Oh, wow. That was our first playthrough, too. Because this was on P- PlayStation Plus this month. Maybe it might not still be there, because it's been a while since we recorded one of these. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks. That's a, that's yeah. a little while. So I did it, like, the day it went up. So I'm like, if there's ever a time where people are going to be playing this game and they're also new, like, this is it. This is your one chance. So... Yeah, played through that whole game in one sitting, and then at the end when it was like, hey, here are the people you played with, it only had three names, mm-hmm. and I think two of them, like, there might have been one person at the very start briefly, and then another maybe at the very end, but I was like, based on the way they moved, I'm like, almost entirely sure it was one person for the majority of the game, and I did get an achievement saying, hey, you just played with the same person for the majority of the game. Did you chirp cool. at each other? Kinda. There you go. <laughs> It's some hot chirping action. Oh, jeez. So, I'll just mention the things that really stuck out to me. So, you start out, start of the game, and then you go into the second area. Like, the first area is just like, hey, here's the controls. Very basic, and there's nobody else there. And then the second area is like this big open thing where you have to kind of hit these four switches. And that's when I'm like, oh, there's another person over there. And I'm I'm a little socially anxious, to say the least. So, uh-huh. I'm just like... I'm going to rebel against the developers. I'm going to ignore that person over there. Ooh. And I, I just wandered around doing my own thing, and then they never kind of came to get me either. I'm just like, okay, I'll just keep going now. So at the start of the third area, oh, there's a person like here right next to me. I guess we'll just go together then. <laughs> and so then this ended up being the person I stayed with 90% of the game as far as I know. And like, yeah, it was really interesting, like, going through this and kind of always looking over your shoulder or having someone right in front of you just together. And, like, the way you end the levels is, like, to activate these statues, and they would always do the same thing where I would just touch all the ones on the left side, and they would just run up and, like, do the chirp to hit the rest. Uh So, like, that's how I'm pretty sure it was the same person. Yeah. Because, like, we ended the level the same way every time. And there's one interesting mechanic in that game where... 
like your jump is kind of fueled like by this magic energy in your cape or whatever. And if you stand right next to the person you're with, it'll f- fill that up so you can jump more. So it gets you to stand next to them a lot. Oh, that's neat. So yeah. the very end of the game, like the last quarter or so, you're in a snowstorm and it sucks. And your cape is just draining automatically without you doing anything. Unless you stand next to your partner. If you just stay by your buddy. If so you stay by your buddy and it just... It creates the sense of intimacy I've like never seen in a game before. Where you are just both trudging forward and you're also just trying to stay as net close to each other as possible. Aww. And it's just really interesting, like mechanically, like how this bond has formed over like an hour. You wanted, and you to, don't cu- even you wanted know... to cuddle this person afterward. I mean, we're like freezing to death in the game, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like they are your light in the dark, and then when there's those moments where like the snake comes and like grabs one of you, and you're just like, oh fuck, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then like there's one part like kind of an underwater area where the snake got me and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to lose my buddy. <laughs> and then it happened Aww. to him in the, in the snow area. I'm just like, oh no. And then you hear this vicious snap of like their scarf being ripped. No! Because, like their permanent resource. Yeah. So like for no the first cool. part of the game, my scarf was longer than theirs. And then I got hit by the snake and mine was shorter the whole rest oh, of the game. No. It was real interesting. Yeah. And then, the ending of that game is real sweet and magical. Yep. And it does a funny thing where it loops. So, like, right before playing it, just to be kind of mysterious, I guess, I tweeted, like, a screenshot of the title screen. Uh-huh. And then I, like, beat the game, and I watch the credits, and then I realize it, the credits end by going back to that same screen seamlessly. Uh-huh. So I just tweeted the image again. <laughs> and That's then fun. comparing them... On Twitter later, I realized they're very slightly different. Oh, really? Cool. You can see the mountain in the second one. Oh. The mountain doesn't appear until you've beaten the game once in the title screen. It's such a subtle thing that you'd never notice, though. I'm just like, oh, that's pretty cool. That is very neat. So I had a good time with that game, but I d- didn't really see it as like this transitive, life-changing experience that people kind of acted like it was when it came out. Yeah. Like, people, like, Game of the Year stuff. Like, yeah, like, people, people went yeah. nuts for this thing. But it was good. Like, mm-hmm. especially for a free PlayStation Plus game, which have been kind of iffy lately. Yeah, that, so, I feel like yeah. that game, I think that game makes a neat companion piece with Sword and Sorcery. Because they kind of tell a very, very mm-hmm. similar story, <laughs> just with um, very different approaches. Yeah. Paulie's just like, yeah, whatever. Fuck no, that. I totally understand <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. I just, I've just never played it, so I can't really, no. you know, elaborate no, too fuck, much on it. I'm just saying fuck Sword and Sorcery. No, oh, yeah, well, yeah, fuck Sword and Sorcery. <laughs> that game is garbage. Okay. Okay. They both they both have the thing where you're walking by tombstones of other uh, people who were in your exact situation. Yeah. And then yeah, but in Journey, make they're it. real. What? In Journey, they're real people, maybe. Oh, those are all actually other players who were just like fuck this and gave up. There you go. <laughs> so then I played an action video game. Action video action. games. It's kind of a rogue like. It's oh. like the game Rogue. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, can I, I say those. can I say one more thing about Journey? Oh sure. My brother play, tried playing it and then got stuck in one of the first areas and quit and got mad. <laughs> it was too hard. That's... What? 
That's unfortunate. That must have been, like, the second area, because, like, the whole rest of the game is kind of just pressing up to walk with your buddy. Like, yeah. there's so little to get sidetracked by. Like, there's really not any puzzles. And that's why the co-op works. But, like, as a game, it's very shallow. Very minimalistic. Yeah. Eh. Like, I really like the bit where you're sliding past the sunset. Oh, yeah. It's amazing and gorgeous. It's just not much of a challenging video game. Like, yeah. there's, more to, there's more to do in Flower, of all things. <laughs> I don't need Flower. I've been dying to do that since I really love Journey. Yeah, I played Flower. I like it. I like Flower. It's pretty good. Yeah. So I played one of them roguelikes. A game like Rogue. Except that it's not turn-based. Oh, so R- it's not a roguelike then. Or, or an RPG. Or an RPG, no. But it, it does have per- permanent death, and death comes very swift and Very quick. swiftly. Uh, I played some Nuclear Throne. I nuclear just Throne, huh? Randomly some... fell back into this, I guess, since I was finishing games. Like, I finished Hyper Devotion Noir. I was like, why don't I give that Nuclear Throne another shot? Because that game's fucking hard. Yeah, it, it doesn't really hold back at all. <laughs> Sometimes when you die in that game, it really doesn't feel like it's your fault. Yeah... Yeah. Like, I, I had a run today where I got to 4-1, the caves, uh-huh. and just surrounded by those orange fuckers right off the start. I'm just like, well, bye. Yeah, there's not much <laughs> you're going to be able to do about that. Just like, uh I just try to run, and then I see, the like, the laser yeah. targeting thing on me. I'm just like, nope, nope, keep running. And just, yeah. Just not happening. <laughs> those crystals that shoot the laser are real dickheads. Oh, God, yeah. They're so strong. They're so tanky, too. Yeah, they're really strong. Like, you can't just quickly kill them like the snipers in 3. Yeah. So I started playing that game again, and I hadn't played for a bit, but, like, kept wanting to get back to it and see, like, if I could get anywhere. And I had, like, three runs in a row where I got to the fifth area. So, like, I started to see myself get more consistency. Yeah. And then finally... Oh, that fucking boss of stage 5. Oh. Yeah. So, like, spoilers, I eventually did beat the game, but, like, since then, I still have not gotten past that stage five boss since then, because fuck that guy so hard. Such a dick! He is the worst! I don't, I literally, like, don't know what to do. There's so much chaos going on that it's so hard to even keep track of, like, what yeah. you need to do. Like, he just jetpacks around at random, and then, does he do AoE damage when he lands, like, that yep. blue circle? Ugh. Yep. Yeah, so this boss will just appear, and I'll just be dead, and just go like, "What? What?" And there's no warning either. Yeah, it's, it's just woof. Here I am. I noticed on Steam, there's like the achievement stats. It's like twenty five percent of players have killed the stage five boss. Yeah, and then it's like twenty percent of players have made it to six one. So there's like a five percent drop in people killing the boss, but still not being able to survive the stage. Yeah, because that boss has like a suicide death attack where he'll yep. just up on top of you. It's a huge explosion too. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gotten killed by that, but I did like he shot at me and I shot at him and we both died at the same time once. And I was just so like, fucked. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So when I finally got past that guy, I got to stage six the first time ever i'm just like terrified stage six doesn't seem that bad i haven't died on that one yet no, stage six is kind of not bad but i've also only been there twice ever now uh, yeah because then i get to stage seven and it's just like hell on earth it's absolute <laughs> chaos you like yeah. green you're gonna be seeing a lot of it i want to see a lot of green dead yeah <laughs> these nuclear fuckers 
And then, so that first run where I got to stage seven and to a fucking mimic. <laughs> when I, I saw that picture, no. I was laughing so hard. Because I killed everything on 7-2. And I was just doing the cleanup rounds, like, oh, grab all the chests. And then I just fall over dead. And I just, <laughs> I'm just like, what? And I take a screenshot. I'm just like, what? And then I look at the screenshot later. I'm like, killed by chest. Oh, it was a mimic. God damn it. <laughs> Just the worst feeling, and then it really is. I almost wanted to just never play the game after oh, that. Oh no! And then the next day, I started doing some more runs. Like I had to take the night off after that, though. Yeah, there's no recovering from that. So then the next day, I do some runs, and I get back to stage seven, and I get to the throne, and I win! Yay! Yay! So, and then since then, I haven't been able to get past stage five again. Now it's time to loop and do throne two. I can't get past stage five again, though. Do you know how to? Do you know how to? Do you know how to get the loop warp? So is it the four things on the side? Yeah, the four generators. Chamber? So what it's do you do? hard to do. Really? It's harder to do than it looks. Those things are tanky as fuck, uh, and trying to dodge all that shit while you're doing it, while the throne is actively coming at you. Mm. So my well, rubber's weird because. It gave me the weapon I ended up using to kill the final boss in the final boss area. Uh -huh. It's just like, oh, here's like double. What's the big shotgun called? Uh, it's not the slugger, is it? I think it was a double slugger. Double I slugger just, or something like that. I was just like, like okay, sure, I'll just use this and just like put 100 bullets in. I'm quad like, shotgun or something like that. I had like a double flamer or something right before that, but I thought the double slugger might be stronger. Nice. Yeah, there's some crazy weapons in that. Yeah, the weapons are pretty good uh, for the most part. I don't use most of them, though, because anything that can cause me to also get killed, <laughs> I'm just, like, so averse to, because I don't think I've ever used, like, a weapon that can cause splash damage for more than one level without killing myself. You gotta be good. Yeah. There's one run where I forget, wasn't that far in the game, but I'm just like... I just killed myself by shooting a guy point blank with like a grenade launcher. Well, that's I'm just not like, smart. I'm just like, oh, my sub weapon's not a shotgun this time. It's a grenade launcher. It's like double, triple grenade launcher. Oh, like, wow. You triple of fucked explosion. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I died in one hit, just instant dead. I'm just like, oh, oops. <laughs> All explosions in that game do 10 points of damage, so. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're kind of fucked anyway. Yeah, there's almost no way to. Yeah. And, and there's nothing in that thing other than, like, the slugs in stage one that do one damage. Yeah. Yeah, you start with eight HP, but everything does three damage. Yeah. It's, <laughs> kind, of, it's kind of fucked. It's so evil. That game is fun, but I don't know how much more I'm going to play of it, because... It doesn't have the staying power. Yeah, it definitely Isaac. is not the Isaac of... You're not unlocking stuff constantly, you know? No. You get new characters to play around with, and they're kind of cool for the most part, but usually, like, for me, like, I I found a character I liked, and I just used that character. Yeah, and for me, that's Fish, because he gets fish. more. Fish can roll. Fish can you roll. Gotta, you got a limited amount of room in your heart for these kind of games. Yeah. Basically. I For some reason, I felt like this game was going to be a bigger deal, though, when it was in development, and then it kind of came out, and everyone was just like, yeah, okay. Well, I think that that's because like, the, I don't game, know, it felt the game like... had already found its community uh, and had already had people just playing it on the regular. And I think that when it came out, it was just kind of like, well, now it is here, and it's complete for the people who aren't familiar with it. Uh, and I think that that game is just... It, yeah. it is what it is because its community is so large. Yeah. Which is cool. 
maybe like it feels like there maybe would have been more of a zeitgeist had it not been early access. Yeah, yeah. Like if it all landed and everyone was playing it all at once. But I think that the reason that the game is as good as yeah. it is is because it went through a very yeah. good early access. Yeah, they got yeah. feedback, I guess. To make the game not shit. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The credits basically say is so. Like, this game could have gone really badly. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you gotta, like you, you, said, gotta, you gotta loop and, and see how crazier uh, it gets. It's I'll so try, good. I'll but man, it's, it's real hard. It's hard, but it's real good. It's real least, hard. You've gotta at least get to Throne 2 and beat Throne 2. Oh. That's that's a tall order. Not really, because you fight. How Throne, am I getting? You fight Throne Two after Throne One. Mm. Wait. Okay. How do you loop? You, you break the four things. Then break what? the four things. Go in the really big warp. Then you're sent to like the area. You know the area where you're at the select screen. Uh-huh. You, you fight another boss there called Throne Two. What? Then you go and like loop the campsite. Back. Yeah. Okay. That, then you okay. Then you loop back to stage one. Okay. That and throne... things are crazier. Okay, so throne two isn't actually at the end of the second loop. No, it's at the start. Okay, that sounds weird. It is, but it's fun. I think it's fun. Bo- I think that like both the throne and throne two are really fun bosses. How far have you gotten on loop two? Three one. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's real fucked. I want to know what Loop 5 boss is like. I don't even know if people have gone that far. <laughs> really? It's that crazy? Like, it just gets exceptionally nuts. Like, there are new enemies and shit that get thrown into the second loop. Oh, no. <laughs> and a lot more explosions. Oh, no. You need that explosion park? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that game is good fun, though. It has, like, such good feedback like i was playing it with headphones and just like shaking my head like it's so loud the explosions yeah, it's, and stuff it's good game feel i love i love that's yeah, kind of the Vlambeer thing right yeah. yeah like just over like just so much craziness like like the screen shake thing that's the, their deal i love that you yeah. can like push the i love that there's a gauge in the options menu for screen shake and it like you can shoot it up to 100% and you, then you can just keep making it go higher and like <laughs> The the meter goes outside of the bounds of the bar. It was just you could just shove it off screen. I want to know what the death of Big Dog looks like at two hundred percent because it's already effing crazy at one hundred. Yeah, yeah. There's just so much like so much screen shake, explosions, sound effects going off at once. It's nuts. yeah. It's that so crazy to think that, that game was made in Game Maker. Yeah. God. Let's figure yeah. out how to do that. Let's get the source code. All right. <laughs> we'll get Remy on, and I'm sure he will be more than cooperative. That, was, that should be the next humble bundle. Nuclear throwing source code. There you go, Rhett. You keep saying nuclear. Yeah. It's nuclear. Okay. I don't hear the difference. Nuclear. 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 No. <laughs> listen, listen one more time. No. Nu- this is what you, this on. is this is what you're saying. You're saying nuclear. Right? Uh-huh. That's what you say. You The, the word is nuclear. Nuclear. Look at how it's spelled. <laughs> there is no U at the, at, on the other half of that word. It's not N-U-C-U-L-E-A-R. It's what? N-U- 
Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> so and that was the end. Yeah, continue. Almost done here. <laughs> um, so again, I had the long Steam queue of just unplayed mm-hmm. games, and I right had the folder with like forty games in it, and I thought, let me just random number generator or dot org tell me what to play, and I hit it, and it says game number two, and I look, and that's Analog A Hate Story, well, and I go, go, and I go. No, it gave me something else. I roll again, and it gives me 27. And I count down 27 games, and the 27th one was 8+. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, you're telling me something here, aren't you? Fate, or whatever. Might as well dive in. So it was just like, that was a sign that I just couldn't ignore. So I played Analog A Hate Story, uh-huh. and I really Ooh. liked it. Yeah, it's Which I did not good. actually expect, because I kind of don't like the whole visual novel thing. That's so weird to hear you say that. Why? I don't like reading. I'm boring. Oh my god. I'm so, like, ADD riddled. Like, I look at a page of text and I'm just like, oh, here we go. Like, I don't read anything in, like, any modern games. Like, Skyrim has books and stuff. I'm just like, I ain't reading this. God, you must... You really really don't know my site at all. Why? Because you never read anything! I read your site. You haven't posted any articles in like two years. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, Analog I, a Hate Story. Yeah, I liked it. Like, I won't go into real story huh? details, but it had a good yeah, chase so to it. You haven't played it, John? Um, not a, no, I started it, but then I, yeah, I, I really oh. want to play it. That's kind of, it's on my list. Yeah, it's pretty short, I think. The first game may be four hours long. Yeah, or so. it's, it's cool. not that long. Cool. Yeah, I, I did play Digital Love Story, so I'm excited. Oh. Yeah, Digital's uh, pretty good, too. Yeah. So and there's I, a good, I think there's a good pacing to this, where, like, at first it feels kind of overwhelming. Like, you're given, like, the first thing they show you is the family tree. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I I can't remember these These names. are names I'm never yeah. going to remember. So then even though right when they show you that, though, there's one that jumps out, the Pale Bride. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. you kind of go through the logs and you ask about the Pale Bride and then you realize, like, oh, finding out her name is, like, the important thing to do here. So there's a good pacing to it. And then, like, when you get the name, like, the story opens up and then yeah. you cool. mute the other AI in the ship. Yeah. And then you go through some stuff with her and she shows you, like, this other family. And she's real nice. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so then there's the big event that happens towards the end of that game that I really enjoyed. The, oh, yes. The, the hacking stuff. That was so damn cool. That was a real great moment. And then it was a little sad when you realize, oh, this happens on both sides, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I was with Mute when that happened. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. I like, see. She had just given me the questions. Yeah. And I refused to go back. And I was just like basically bullshitting around with her. Uh-huh. And then and then that happened and then basically end of the game. Oh, snap. <laughs> so luckily I had made a save just beforehand. Nice. So then I hopped over to Hune's side and did the whole end game there. And yeah, the story kind of doesn't end if you do the mute route. Like no. you have to do Hune's side. To really get the whole story, yeah, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, then you basically have to cheat to get the whole, whole, whole story. Uh, the harem ending isn't doesn't really add much though. Like, no, 
It's it's just funny. It's so silly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, how the hell do you get that? And then I realized like what I had to do, and then I went back to my Hune save, and I accidentally overwrote it. Oh, whoops. <laughs> and, then, oops. and then like I had a different one, and, it's just, and she's just like not letting me go into the log files anymore, and I'm just like, oh man, can I just look up what this one was? <laughs> just give me that code, please. And then I had to look it up online. That, that, so that story's really, really well done, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And then I played Hate Plus, which is a direct sequel in a weird way, because it loads up your save file, but then the save files are just like, hey, did you leave with Hune, or did you leave with Mute? Yeah. And there's a weird contradiction to the whole thing, where... The first game, like, doesn't really have an ending if you don't do Hune's side. Yeah. But then the second game is like, hey, you should probably do Mute's side this time. Yeah. So, like, she is the emphasis. Like, if the first game is, I mean, the first game is Hune's story, like, the second game is Mute's story. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, it didn't really seem like it would make sense to have Hune being the AI through that story. Yeah. But didn't, like, hate Plus as much as the original Oh, like that story just didn't fully click with me as well. And I really kind of hated mute by the end of it. I think for me, (laughs) what I liked most about hate plus was just, I think that the side stories were really good. Mm. I think that the side stories and the the couple characters that got introduced that are important to mute, I think are really cool characters. Uh, and I think that their stories are really interesting. Uh, but if you don't like mute, uh, you're probably yeah. not, you're probably not gonna like hate plus much. She's uh yeah, she's quite the woman hater. Yeah, it's like a fucking crazy over the top way that just got a little grating of having her in your ear for much longer than in analog. Yeah, and where... and all of that is done. Uh, it's done as emphasis because that shit was real. Yeah, like that I can... that kind of like. I mean, that shit is still real in certain places of the world, In certain probably. places today, yeah. yeah. Like, the way that, like, women are treated in a soci- the society that is presented in this world, it's just, it's mm. abhorrent. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's really hard to read a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But what made it real frustrating is that we're seeing, in Hate Plus, we're seeing a different society that doesn't treat women horribly, and mute is just yeah aghast. she doesn't yeah she, she doesn't does, get it she doesn't get it and she can't change herself and that yeah. was frustrating so and then there's the whole three day thing which is an interesting gimmick I liked it like it does have a payoff I guess at the end yeah but maybe going through the other routes and also having them take three days is a bit much because yeah, all, all yeah. the logs seem the same yeah. from what I saw. And there, I just... there are, I think that there's like a smattering of different logs, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's probably most of the same. And the only thing that really changes is the conversation you have with uh, the AI that you have with you. Yeah. So I started like those, uh, the other two routes, the Q&A and the harem one, but yeah. I did, I haven't gone to day two with either of them yet. Gotcha. I was just like, eh, not really feeling it right now. Did you bake a cake? No, I'm not that far yet. Okay. Yeah, so the weird thing in Hate Plus is that it's super non-linear. Like, you can access any of the logs Yeah. on day uh-huh. one. Any but one of the logs on day one. So, like, where Analog had this really good pacing to how it kind of presented you stuff, Analog just let me read all the juicy sh- 
shit right on day one. Yeah. And then on day two, it was just like, oh, now I've got kind of the filler bullshit here. See, I I liked a lot of those side stories personally. Like, that's really what I liked yeah. about Hate Plus. That, I guess it just didn't work for me as well. Some of them are sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Mute is just like all like kind of giggling at the gay male one. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as, and then I go over and then there's the gay women's story and she's just like, oh, disgusting. I'm just like, man, you really, really don't get it, do you? Yeah, she's, it's, just, it's interesting. Yeah. That sounds very it. interesting. And then just Honestly. thinking of like what kind of my canon playthrough was, like my first endings of each game being mute for both of them. Yeah. It's just like, man, is that maybe the worst possible outcome for all those characters? Bad end. Because, like, I never learned the truth with Hune. She just ends up <laughs> left <laughs> on the ship. And then I take Mute. Oh, then, my God. And then Mute is a total bitch the entire time. <laughs> You're the worst, raccoon. <laughs> but, like, the game says, like, this isn't going to have a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think they're all kind of bad endings. Oh, definitely, yeah. Cool. So that's what I've been up to. Rhett, you're not quite done. I'm not. Because I don't know if you know this, but the last three weeks have been chock full of news. And you're our oh. news and you're our news guy. Am I? I guess, I, guess I am. You got all the hot scoops. I'm, that's what they call me. That's what scoops. they call you. Yeah, that's what it says on your little hat. I have a hat? You have a hat. You have a hat and your shorts. Oh, jeez. It's your shorts, boy. Sire's going to have to start drawing me differently now. Oh, oh, no. no I and because I'm really good at snipping out the news for you to read, I, they call me the wolf. No, they call you mud. Uh, You're mud, John. Mud. What's, what's a Pokemon with a big nose? Pokemon. Nose, nose pass. Nose, Is that really? Nose it's, shoes. If there's a... There's a Pokemon, yes. There's a there's a persona called Nozuchi that is just a big round ball with an elephant trunk. And a penis. And no, that's Mara. <laughs> no, I I just imagine personas like all of them actually having huge dicks. They're just all dicks. <laughs> They're just all dicks somehow. So, I mean we're we're gonna be pushing a long episode here. Yeah. We're delaying it further. Rhett, what do we got for me? Uh, Sony has unveiled the PlayStation 4 Pro, the stronger version of their console. Oh boy! And, and nobody seems to really give a shit. Yeah! Seems like about as much of a flop as a PS4 Slim, as far as people really being uh, excited. I mean, hey, the PS4 Slim is cheaper. I mean, if you're going to get one, that's yeah. a good idea. It's, you know, it's done. I mean, I, I think they... It's a weird thing. Like, I don't think anybody should go out and get a new PS4 if they already have one for this, because it just seems like a minor incremental upgrade. Yeah. It's kind of like a new 3DS, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. and then like, we saw what happened with the new 3DS, and a lot yeah. of people made good use of that. Yeah. And I think they've even said, like, there are going to be no exclusive games or modes for this thing. Yeah. Mm. It's just kind of yeah. like a pointless power upgrade yeah. that... Like, oh boy, he'll play 4K video! Oh, so here's the, the funniest thing about this thing, is it doesn't have a 4K Blu-ray player. Nope! Even though the Xbox One Slim does. Yep! <laughs> so, 
this is Sony betting against their own media format. Nice job, guys. That's a way to show like, uh, some real solidarity there. I mean, I kind of get it because it would raise the price on this thing, and like Blu-ray has never outpaced DVD sales. No, and and both are on the decline now. Yeah, like the writing is on the wall. Yeah, but like, yeah. So like the way NeoGaf acts about this thing of being like, I'm not buying one because it doesn't have a, a 4K Blu-ray player. Like, who? How many people are really buying 4K Blu-rays? Who even has a 4K TV? Exactly. Player? Like who? Yeah, who is this fictional person that has a 4K TV? I want to meet them. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. I just, yeah, so I just the whole don't. 4K thing with this thing, and especially that it's actually, like, pretty decent upscaling, but it's not an age of yeah. 4K. Yeah. And so the funniest thing about this presentation that they did, though, was, like, they're trying to show off the HDR. Yeah. Which showed terribly on stream. Yeah, not a because, good idea. Because that's not a thing you can actually show when you're looking at it through a non-HDR monitor. Yeah, that's kind of a bad thing to try and do. So they just show all these foot all this footage and it just looks like super blown out high contrast. It's just like what? I don't It's like an impossible thing to sell people on unless you like add a Best Buy looking at a TV. Yeah. Because people who were there said it looked really good. Yeah, yeah. It just looked hilariously bad on the screen. On the stream. Yeah, it was. It was not an ideal yeah. presentation. Yeah, I'm not in the market for a new PS4 right now, or ever, basically. No, I just I don't see the point. I think the point is that they want to have something for when the new Xbox One. Comes yeah, out that's really there. all it is. It's a pissing contest, and I don't yeah. think it's going to benefit either side. Hopefully they didn't waste too much money on this thing, because typically, like, historically, the strongest console isn't the one that wins. Yeah. Like, power has never actually been a deciding factor in yeah. console war stuff. And especially, like, this is, like, 32X level shit, where we're trying to, like, make the, the, make the base system oh, more powerful, yeah. you know, mid-cycle. It's just, I don't see this ending well for either side, because I think it's just going to create customer confusion. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And just, who knows how much of a strain this is on developers. Exactly. Have, have you seen the stuff with the new Tomb Raider coming out on PS4? Yep. Where it's going to have three different modes when played on a PS4. Yeah. Where it'll have 4K mode with bells and whistles turned off. It'll have 60 FPS mode with bells and whistles turned off, but a 1080. And then, like, 30 FPS, 1080 with bells and whistles turned on. Like, this is spending a lot of time on these different modes like it's cool i guess but it's just like if it you just really seems care add, yeah like i don't get see, a pc yeah i don't really see like a normal game buying person who isn't yeah. super into this shit really caring yeah it's weird but yeah it probably just maybe like they upsell people going like oh i'm gonna get to me the playstation 4 for 300 dollars, and they go in and oh i'll get them the pro version i don't know what that means but it says pro it's probably better yeah so, so sad it's just yeah. dumb so sony has had kind of a bad couple weeks because yeah. like right after that disappointing news thing it was announced that fallout 4 mods are not coming to ps4 even though they are on xbox one whoops and this is another story where I just have to say, get a fucking PC, seriously. Yeah, like, <laughs> this, is, this is only notable because 
because Microsoft is allowing it. Well, that and that Bethesda was really wanting to sell Fallout 4 on the console versions on this idea that mods would be coming. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just real dumb that, that how this whole thing no. turned out. It's not. Uh, it's not surprising. No. Not in the least, but it's real dumb. Well, don't worry for Bethesda because they got to sell it on the promise that mods were coming. Exactly. The funny thing is that this news comes out like right after the last DLC for Fallout 4 comes out. Yep. So it's just like a little too late, guys. Yeah. Not people. Not a great idea. idea. But I don't know. I just how much can you really do with console-bound mods? Is what exactly. I'm wondering. Like it's... Because it's gotta they be don't like the simplest of shit. Yeah, because they don't have the script extenders that the PC versions will have, mm -mm. and they don't have the infinite RAM theoretically that a PC version could have. Right. And apparently, like, there's a lot of crashes and stuff on the Xbox One versions. Yeah. yeah it's not... Like I, like it sucks for them, but I can totally see Sony's perspective of just being like they don't want a shitty experience for people. Yeah. And like system instability. Yeah. Kind of a priority of theirs, like anything that could possibly be an attack vector. They, they obviously are, they're going to be gunshot. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So not a big surprise. Yeah. At all. And then just to cap off the Sony news, the Last Guardian was delayed again. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Surprising, literally nobody. Yeah, it's just like I think when people saw it, it was just like yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, the day before, I was just like, I bet that's getting delayed again. Because they've been real quiet about it, and it's yeah. supposed to be a fall release. God, yeah, that's funny. October, I think? Like, real soon. Yeah. And now, uh, games, so are so, games are so fucking weird, because now it's like, well, what is actually going to end up on the disc now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be another game with a fucking day one patch that, like, finishes the game? More than likely. I mean, they've got to be pressing those discs and those, like, those special edition yeah. pre-orders and shit now. That just sucks. Like, I wish they could just get out of the holiday cycle a little bit. It's real be dumb. like, hey, let's just finish this game when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. So, moving on to Nintendo... They're making a Mario game for iPhone. Are you happy, John? What? Yep. Very happy. Super Mario Run. It's not an endless runner, you guys. Oh, it's just a runner. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes I mean, perfect sense. Just a hey, like Nintendo. And just kind of, I guess, doing yeah. a thing. Doing yeah. a thing. There's lots of really, really good runner games on phones, and I actually think Nintendo, with all their resources, could make a really, really cool one. The Sonic Runner isn't bad. I'll be the one to say it. Cool. It's, it's I, a, I actually it's haven't played right. it. Neat. I know people really like the Rayman ones as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which seem like probably the closest to what Mario's going to be going for. Yeah, definitely. Because mm -hmm. it's not the straight Cannibal um, no. Endless Runner. Which are also very good, but so yeah. it's exciting. I think they can. And investors continue to be crazy because I think Nintendo's stock shot up again after this announcement. Come on, like, oh, guys! guys. Did you not <laughs> learn? Are you gonna fall for this all over again? Like this thing is gonna be the hot shit for probably three days. Yeah, it's not a free-to-play game. It's like free to try, and then yeah, I don't know how much it'll be, so I won't throw out a number, but. 
See, that Probably. makes me more inclined to want to buy it, however. Yeah, it actually sounds really good that there will be zero microtransactions. It's you buy it and you're done. Yeah, like that would make the mode I want on all phone games that they'll never do because of whales. No, Agreed. I don't think that it's coming to Android though, and that's all I've got. Oh, so. I think it's coming later. Hopefully, I would. I would definitely I mean, like if it's good. I will try it and buy it because yeah. you know, hey, Mario is fun. Yeah, Nintendo makes good games on occasion. <laughs> on occasion, they yeah. know how to do that every now and again. However, yeah. <laughs> everyone's like, "Oh, they're in NX mode. Like all the shit coming out now is just like second tier." Yeah, I, I mean, away stuff because it's quite easy to see that their A teams are on NX. But uh, yeah, speaking of Nintendo ports that aren't very good, Mario Maker is coming. To Mario 3DS. Maker 3DS finally! Woo! Put the them big... party balloons back in the closet, though. It is lacking the thing that it makes... you want from the game. You can't <laughs> upload your own levels online. It's so it's like a literally pointless version yeah yeah i i was so like i shit my pants the first time like when i saw it, i was like oh shit i even shot Rhett a premature tweet oh my like, god oh my I god red it's happening i woke up and just saw within five seconds like immediate celebratory yeah. joy followed by sadness and anger and just went boy i'm glad i went through those emotions real quick. <laughs> I would have been real upset that, to find out that this is a shitty version. How do you fuck this up? Like, why? Why? It I don't cannot get be it. That, it cannot be that hard to make an interface with the Nintendo network. It's just fucking bizarre. It just ha it has online download capabilities. Like, you can still play 100 Mario Challenge levels Yeah. that are made by other people, but people with the Wii U version. Yeah. Like, it's, it's seriously bizarre. I just don't understand this company 90% of the time. Yeah. It's just like, and why are you even doing this at all? Because Mario Maker NX has to be a thing. Yeah, like, there's no way you can launch and not have Mario Maker Day 1. And yeah, they Mario really Maker need to be on that. Mario Maker NX has to have the full online capabilities regardless how you're playing it. Yeah. So now you're just having this shitty version out there as just a very obvious cash grab for a couple months. Yeah, that's all when it is. When is this even coming out? Like, next month, I think? Okay, so it's not a spring thing. No, I'm pretty sure it's, like, next month. Because it would be funny if it came out, like, a week before the NX and just was even more pointless. Oh, that would just be... Oh, my God. Do we even think the NX is actually coming out in March? No. Because we still haven't seen it. Nope. And do you want to read this last news story? Because it's a doozy. Oh my god. So... Are, are, are any... I, I'm sure you're both familiar with Digital Homicide by now, right? The online... Yeah. Like, the, the, the Steam Greenlight whores that have just been flinging nothing but shovelware and just, like, things that they've blatantly stolen... Like, you know, you just buy an engine on the Unity shop, yeah. slap it slap it on Steam and call it your own. And they've been in numerous battles and tangles with Jim Sterling. Um, just like this, one of the most insane interviews I've ever heard in my life. It was just yelling constantly. It's bizarre. So uh, the guys at Digital Homicide, uh, you know that they have sued Jim Sterling, right? 
Yeah. So uh, what would yes. you say if I told you that Digital Homicide is now suing 100 Steam users and they have subpoenaed Valve for their personal info? Oh, it's complete lunacy. It's like, there's absolute... No out of their fucking minds! Like, what are they... Seriously, like, if this, like, and, and, to cap it off, just, like, an hour or two ago, all of Digital Homicide's games were removed from Steam. Yeah, you don't fuck with Valve. By Valve. They just removed everything. Oh, okay. Update right now. Update. Valve has responded to our question, confirming they did delist the games. Doug Lombardi says, Valve has stopped doing business with Digital Homicide for being hostile to Steam customers. Wow! Good on Valve! Good on Valve, everybody. I think they should have done this sooner, but this I'm glad been, they finally done it. This should have happened ages ago, and this should happen to more people. It's like, yeah, Digital Homicide is an extreme case, but the shit that Digital Homicide does happens on Steam on a daily basis because you can't fucking curate your shit. I mean, they're not trying to curate anymore, though. Like, that's their but whole thing. But it's fucking stupid that people can go buy an engine on the Unity store yeah. and just slap it on Greenlight and get through somehow! Like, somebody on the other end has to look at what comes through Greenlight. Like, yeah, okay, it got the votes, but there has to be at least one person who can sit in a chair all day and go, yeah, that looks legit. I'll let that through. No, that <laughs> mm -hmm. looks like that's a fucking asset flip. There you know, th there's gotta be some kind of fucking middleman. Yeah, I get you, but like, it's also really hard to actually determine what is an asset flip because if you don't know the original assets. Because like Newgrounds had that problem for years where people would just copy the same game over and over and like tweak a little things to make it look different. It's just like, who's the moderator who has this extensive knowledge of every Flash game ever created? Be like, no, this is one's a ripoff, and delete it. Jim Sterling. Like, it's a little tricky. Just hire Jim Sterling, make him do it. <laughs> but it's an issue that... But yeah. This is obviously the most extreme issue, just because these guys have gone out of their way to be, like, the biggest dickholes imaginable. Just, it's just bizarre behavior. They're suing critics and people who left negative Steam reviews for them. Yeah. Like, fucking insane. Like, Rhett was reading me some of the court document earlier, and <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's screen caps of the fucking Steam forums, and, like, people calling them, like, rightfully so, like, asset-flipping frauds. Yeah. Like, there's nothing even wrong in what they're saying. It's just... I'm so glad that they finally got... At least something has been done. <laughs> So next week, it'll be the Digital Homicide is suing Valve. Yeah, I guarantee it. Guarantee it. it they have a monopoly, and they're shutting us out of it. Fuck Great, off. Crazy shit. Sue me, Digital Homicide. <laughs> or choke on a fat cock. He probably will. I don't care. Take every everything of nothing I don't even have. Oh my god. So is that the news? That's the Can news. Can I stop being angry now? Sure. Alright, I'm gonna stop being angry in three, two, ah. <laughs> so, um, how about questions? Do we have some of those? We do. Well, guess what? You know what people Woo. can do? You can, you can get at us at smps underscore updates on Twitter, or shoot a 
nice little email off to podcast at SoccerMakePeopleSexy.net, and we might read your your little words here sometime. We do that out. We do that every now and again. Rhett's going to demonstrate on how he uh, reads people's words when they send them in. Rhett, let's hear how, let's hear how it goes. <laughs> uh, Celestial Blade Zero writes in to John. What's your favorite Ruby ship and your least favorite? Okay, I thought about this one. Um, the only, the only ship that matters to me is, uh, I think Friends. Ren with, is Ren with nobody. <laughs> That's not a ship, then. No, it's it it. He come he, I think he's coded as Ace. He has a he has him. <laughs> he has apron in one of the chibi shorts. That's he's do nothing. Cook. In addition to some. So we've had some kind of resonance with that. That's been very nice. So shipping red with nobody, um, and that's your favorite, and that's my favorite ship. And um, of the main, uh, no, I don't care. Um, of the of the um, character relationships that I like the most, um, the character relationships that I like the most in the show are Ruby and Penny. Um, that's. Well, it has an excellent payoff, <laughs> and on and Pira, and that relation actually is really, really like Little John's character. So, what are the what's the dumb name that people have for these ships? I'm not talking ships. I'm talking about just the character relationships as. Friends and people, and also maybe <laughs> romantic, but really, I just mean like Ruby and Penny and Jean and Pira are like sort of the through lines of that show mm-hmm. by the end, mm-hmm. um, just emotionally, and that's sort of disconnected from any romantic relationship. Gotcha. Because um, wow, and Pira stuff get a very nice payoff. There's basically a moment where Jean is talking to Pira and then basically is trying to come and can't say what's it. So he basically says that he has to go and call them. And without realizing that, that's what he's saying. And it fucks her up and fucks him up later. So, and they care about each other a whole lot. So it's very neat. Um, and that's all I have to say there. Right. I hope okay. she was able to make out all of that because holy crap, the robot is real. Oh and shit! Then, I guess yeah. it's near the end of the day. Yeah. Robot. Okay. Robot. Your robot. So next question. Ah. Freezing Inferno writes in favorite and least favorite Neptunia characters. Favorite oh. Uzume. Okay. Uh, favorite. I have, to, I have to take her first this time. Yeah, I would definitely go Uzume. Um, Neptune. I mean, I like pretty much all of them. Yeah, like, it's hard to decide. Like, it's really... Like, Uzume is just, like, the best that they've done a character. Uzume. Yeah, they've not done a character or written a character as well as they've written her. Definitely. Uh, uh, I really like Neptune. Like, both sides of that coin, I think, are actually really interesting. Um, Plutia, obviously. Yes, Plutia is also great. Plutia is pretty great. I mean, um, I love Uzume, but, like, Plutia is also a character that had pretty much an entire game devoted to her, and I think yeah. they did a really uh-huh. good job 
exploring both of her sides as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to throw Uni in there because I think that yeah. she had a really good arc uh, with uh, what's his name in uh, Rebirth 2 that I yeah. thought. Well, I think she was one of the only characters in that game to actually get some character development. Yeah. I really like mm -hmm. Red as just, like, a side character who kind of saved the humor in Rebirth 2 for most of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She kind of, yeah. like, she single-handedly pulled that game from the abyss. Seriously. Even though apparently she's not in Mark 2. Nope. Even though, like, the games Weird. are, like, 99% the same yeah. dialogue-wise. Like, they just swapped in Red for either... It was... Guster Nisa. Uh, yeah. But uh, other favorite characters, I think, are no surprise. Noir, Blonde. Yeah. And then least favorites would be Vert and Nepgear. Yeah, Vert and Nepgear, unfortunately, are going to have to to take those. Even though, like, I think that Nepgear has been salvaged. Um, she got a lot of play in the newest game. Yeah, like, and we can't really talk about it much. We can't talk she, about it much because we're going to do a spoiler cast on yeah. it. But I think that that character got a second chance and did a real good job with it. She did a better job with it. Yeah, yeah. I my my favorite Nepgear is still just how they are such an absolute shit to her for the entirety <laughs> of Rebirth Three, and that normal ending. The normal ending is savage, and then just like the whole ability learning thing. Yeah. <laughs> like Nepgear learned jealousy. Nepgear learned despair. Nepgear learned she's worthless. <laughs> Nepgear learned terrible sister. <laughs> Alright, do we have any more questions? We have one more from oh, Raquel. Right. Okay, let's hear it. What do you think makes for good dungeon design and bad dungeon design? I have opinions here. Go for okay. it. Okay. Um, actual design? Like, actually thinking about it and like caring about levels together and not just making a big maze mm -hmm. basically like i think etch really 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 good about this just from my little experience with the series yeah um they like every one of those mazes feels distinct which is really cool i think they they they, they do uh -huh. very specific things and unique things for each floor that make them like interesting to go through there's little gimmicks the, the exactly way they, the way they play with everything it's really cool yeah, and I think um, managing, th putting care into how you handle respawning on death, how you handle player death, how you handle resource management, mm -hmm. and how you handle those resources. Because yeah. when you put a save point in a dungeon where you can heal up all your MP, it very much changes how you're going to mm. approach that dungeon design, you know? Yeah. So something like Dragon Quest 1 versus like Grandia 2 where a dungeon will have three or four save points that heal you with for nothing. Um, you're, you've got different games going on. You need to be very thoughtful about how you approach that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that like, uh, you know, like puzzle design is very important in a dungeon. Like I think that like, like mm -hmm. Fantasy Star 2 is some of the worst, no. the worst <laughs> dungeons ever ever created because <laughs> yes. it's just it's just mazes and doors that go fucking nowhere that take you back to the start it's the worst 
Uh, I think climate control is one of the worst. Like, I think that's the one I'm thinking of, where it's literally like mm-hmm. 106 doors, <laughs> and it's just like only one of them takes you where you need to go. Oh my god! It's so fucking stupid. It, it and like that is the kind of dungeon design I think you want to avoid. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's well. A- no, <laughs> okay, I was I was about to jump through this fucking microphone and strangle you if you were going to defend that. Um, well, I'm just saying that, like... <laughs> oh, my God. Don't you know. do it. Don't do it, Thire. This will be the end of the Thire line, I swear to God. Not that that's, like, preferable or anything, but there's something to be said for just trying to avoid the, the straight line, basically. You know? Like, I think that you can make a maze... And be a straight line at the same time. Because I think Final <laughs> Fantasy has proven this time and time again. With very <laughs> base dungeons, you can still have, like, really memorable and fun dungeons by, you know, with just yeah. your surroundings. Um, with just how, like, your rooms are laid out. Like, if you lay out a cave and it's just like, here's a, like, a, you're in a corridor that is exactly one, you know, sprite wide that your character walks through. You know, like, think about like the dungeon designs and something like mystic quest where it's literally just like mm. square line square line square line like that is fucking boring but if you jump yeah. to like final fantasy 4 final fantasy 5 mm. final fantasy 6 they do a lot more with the space that they're given they don't just make mm-hmm. boxes they make these really nice natural looking curves and like you can have a flat dungeon with no real gimmick and it still be really good yeah, I think Final Fantasy IV is probably the most fun RPG for me to play. It just feels the most kinetic yeah. of any of them. Like, something like Chrono Trigger is great, and it's really fun, but um, a lot of it is, a lot of it on replays, you just kind of, you once you've solved an encounter, it kind of feels solved indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Final Fantasy IV, just kind of with the random encounter, the encounters that are a little more random, um, among other things, it feels very fresh every time I play it, kind of like an action game. Yeah. Which yeah, is cool. And, uh, and then you've got, like, really puzzle-heavy RPGs, like uh, the Tales games. Lufia 2? Lufia 2! Oh my god! The bane of my youth. Fucking, <laughs> fucking block puzzles go suck an asshole. Man, that game... I love Lufia 2. I think it is a fantastic standout RPG. I mm-hmm. love what it does with its dungeon design, but it drives me insane. And it's got, like, that roguelike element of enemies only move when you do. They only take oh, an action cool. when you do. So there's a lot of planning that goes into some of the puzzles of, like, okay, like, if I move this enemy onto the switch, shoot him with an arrow to keep him there, you know, I can get into this door and get this cool treasure or something. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that. And the Tales games have always had really interesting puzzles in their dungeons. Uh, some of them drive me insane because, like, in Tales of Destiny, the encounter rate is way too high. For you to be uh, for you to be solving dungeons that have mm-hmm. like multi floor puzzles, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like those are like some of the standouts I think. Um, but a lot of the time, like I think dungeons just kind of end up as wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Like I think like, I guess I, 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 I'm pretty I, sure that this comes. From, I'm pretty sure that this comes from her recent stint in Neptunia Land uh, oh. and the, uh, <laughs> the 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 golden uh, dungeons. <laughs> Uh, which they're mm. they're not great. They're kind of confusing, and it's really hard to kind of get a good view of. Leers. But that's mostly just texture work and stuff of 
not really convey or the map not really conveying like height and things like that um Mm-hmm. But uh, Bert, like Bert. Neptunia does not have great dungeons, really. Bert's They're... was great. It was. I honestly think Bert's Golden Third Dungeon was one of the high points of the game for me, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I hated it. Because I just I think, appreciate like... that the Neptune dungeons are short. They feel like brisk little. And then there's this one things. huge one. Yeah, that everybody hated except me and Chelsea. We loved it. <laughs> cool. But like the noir version of that one is like literally a room and you just walk down those stairs to yeah. get to the thing. Yeah, it's... But because you have to do it three times, like I know why they made that one short, but it's just so anticlimactic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, when I, I saw, saw this Go ahead. So when I saw this question, I thought was thinking of Zelda games. Yeah. As far as dungeons go. Yeah, like if you want to talk real good dungeons. Yeah. Real good puzzles. But I think even within the Zelda series, like there's high and low points. Oh, definitely. So I've been watching this series on YouTube called Game Maker's Toolkit, and they've been doing boss keys, which is like a yes. analysis of all the Zelda yeah. dungeons. Really, really good series, yeah. by the way. Watch those. Yeah. It's real good. So I think one of the things about Zelda dungeons that will make a good or not good one is like how much explorable space you have and like how nonlinear that space ends up being. Yes. Because mm-hmm. a lot of dungeons, sometimes they'll, there will only be one key available to you. So no matter what you do, how you approach it, you have to go get that one key and use it on the one door. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then there are some dungeons where there'll be like five keys available right from the start. Yeah. And it just gives you a better play space to go through it at your own pace and kind of figure out the puzzles at on your own mm-hmm. path. Yeah. Because then like there's when you get to the like when you get to the dark world dungeons and link to the past and they suddenly get way more intricate and interesting. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. Definitely. I think it was. I remember I remember playing Link's Awakening, and then in the very first dungeon, you can get three keys, and yeah, that I never th- happens for, like, a million years in Link to the Past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think he kind of cited Link's Awakening as, like, probably the high point of dungeon design. I think it... Yeah, yeah the dungeons in that game are really well thought out. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the other one he really liked that I agree with is the Majora's Mask dungeons. Yep. Because all of those, like, they have the nonlinear thing, but then they're also all dungeons that kind of make you visualize and understand the space and how it works in 3d where mm-hmm. like this what's the ice one has that huge pillar that you have to lower yeah then, the ice one and the water one are kind of the high points there yeah the water one you have to twist the knobs and know how that makes the water flow to advance mm-hmm. the, the direction of where you want to go and then the, the, the fourth one you literally flip upside down so like yeah. they they really use the fact that they're in 3D, which Ocarina really doesn't as much. No, it's more of just like a show that we can do this. Yeah, yeah. So Ocarina has that one corridor that rotates as you walk through it. Yeah, yeah. Silent Hill style, and that was like the one thing I remember there for in that sense. Yeah. So like my favorite though is always going to be the Water Temple in Ocarina, because that is one that really makes you understand how that space works in order to solve mm-hmm. it where you yeah. really, you really can't brute force that one without understanding how the Which water levels hit. work. So I really like that one and it's super hard. Cool. Cool beans. Cool. Yeah. Beans. Oh, I think, I, I think I, um, I, I did, this is basically, I did an hour long podcast with Austin about, <laughs> I think I started off shitting on mazes, but then just thinking yeah. back to something like Dragon Quest one, which is uh, all mazes. Which is all just mazes with nothing in them but mazes. Um, 
when if you think through how your encounters work and how the resource management as aspect works, then the mazes kind of make sense for that game. Yeah. I feel like cuz it's just about trying to get through this labyrinth while it, without running out of MP. Yeah, <laughs> that's really playing. what you need to do and basically yeah. all Dragon Quest games really. Yep. No save points before the bosses even in Dragon Quest 9. Yeah, it's they're pretty rough. Yeah. And it's really cool when you get through them. They really feel like sync holistic challenges in that sense and that's why they don't that's kind of why they could get by with sort of boring mazy actual designs because yeah. that's not where the resistance is. Yeah, it's it's all in resource management and getting there mm -hmm. like in the best shape possible to set yourself up for the best possible whack out of boss. Yep. It's good shit. That kind of reminds me, one of the things that does drive me nuts in Zelda is when there is too much combat while you're trying to do a puzzle. Yeah. And Majora's gets into that a couple times where it's like, I'm just trying yes. to do this puzzle and these enemies keep respawning and fuck you. <laughs> yes. So like, it's good to have kind of trivial enemies in a puzzle area so that you don't get bored, but like actual hard encounters don't work very well. Like Dark Souls does not really have puzzles. Yeah. In the same sense. No, not really. I mean, yeah, if we're talking like beyond RPGs, then Dark Souls is probably just sort of pinnacle there. Yeah. Insofar yeah, but... as like dungeons go. Mm, like Sense not... For Sense Fortress is the best. Yeah, okay, dungeon. yeah, that's a that's a dungeon, I guess. Yes. <laughs> A lot of Dark Souls stuff is actually like really linear, though. Once you kind of know the ways through, it's That's just true. It's a very twisted linear yeah. line, though. Yeah. yeah. Strange. It's it's a lot of stuff really worth thinking about and chewing over. Yeah. You could again, there's like there's never one correct answer to anything. Like yeah, of course, something that says total straight line will work in one game, and while a maze will work in another game. Yeah, Crown Town, Mace's Castle. Yeah, it's 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 kind of an effective maze. Yeah, there's not like the puzzles that are in there are kind of just silly. Yeah, it's really just a string of really clever set pieces. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Games modus operandi. Yeah, really great set pieces. Cool, cool. So we done with dungeons? Yeah, I think. All so. right. So, if you got questions, like I said, shoot them off to at SMPS underscore updates on the old Twitter box or podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net. If you got butt steam, send it to Polly at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net, and we'll read you all of your fun words. And like I said at the beginning of the show, stick around if you've played the Beginner's Guide, because we got a treat for you. We're going to do a bit of a spoiler cast here at the end of the episode, but for those checking out right now, we're going to say the goodbyes now. So, John Thire. Where can we find you? It's a dot com. That's right, we can. <laughs> Rhett, where can we find you? Uh, you'll probably find me browsing McElroyShows.com <laughs> for all their funny podcasts. That's M-C-L-R-R-O-Y Shows.com. Good slash stuff. Slash Eric's Joystick. Yes, uh, and you'll find me at Twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick. And remember... <laughs> oh, we're... it's just penis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just got that. Are you serious? Yeah. Remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.
we're going to thank you for sticking around. If you're here at this part of the podcast, it means you jump down the warp pipe in one, two, and then you're here somehow. Or you just you just <laughs> listened. Or you just listened for three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> you to, fell asleep. To the normal podcast and, you know, whatever. But anyway, as promised, this is our bonus segment on the beginner's guide. We're kind of doing this here. It's like this isn't going to be quite as long and an in-depth of a spoiler cast as, you know, something like The Last of Us or, uh, you know, other things that we've done. Uh, but I felt, I think that we all three kind of feel that having this segment at the end of the show where you can choose to listen to it is a better idea than straight up spoiling that game uh, and what it is. Um, because I think that it's really it's a really important thing. I think all three of us can agree that it's really interesting and it's hard to talk about. Yeah, it's almost impossible to talk about. It's hard to talk about without spoiling it because it's such a really unique thing. Um, so and it's important to talk about it because exactly. it was very moving. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting. So you know, brace yourself for some feels, I guess. Um, so the the beginner's guide is uh, a game that was released last year. I think it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, fairly yeah, it's twenty fifteen. Yeah, by um, Davey Redden, who is most famous for the work that he did on the Source game um, or, or the Half Life Two mod, I guess, that became a full game, The Stanley Parable, which was a really funny game that looked at what choices mean in video games and how ultimately it's all kind of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it had an, um, the, the thing that sticks out, I think for everybody is that it has such an amazing sense of humor, uh, and amazing writing. Um, and it's just easy to get lost in the fun that that game was while it was still actively, both satirizing and sort of, I guess, not really exposing the tricks video games play, but maybe kind of pulling back the curtain a bit and letting you in on the what mechanics go into guiding player agency uh, in yeah. games. I think I yeah. think I'm about right and on point in that. So, the beginner's guide is the next game that he did. And it is, from the opening moments, a stark contrast to what the Stanley Parable was. Because whereas yes. the Stanley Parable is a narrative-focused game that is, you know, very detached from uh, its, its, its creator in a lot of ways, because it's, you know, sort of proving to be an essay on, you know, video games and... Uh, player agency mm -hmm. this is being presented more as a biographical piece sort of more or was it biographical or autobiographical i mean autobiographical because it's about his own experience. okay it's about his own experience yeah i always get those two fucked up mm -hmm. you know? um but it's being presented as davy redden talking to you directly the player playing this thing yeah. that he has made even and, says, I'm the creator of the Stanley Parable. Yeah, yes. like, there is, like, this isn't fourth wall breaking. This is just it's, literally... It's nonfiction. Yeah, like, it's... it's he's I've never had a game, like, be so direct with, hey, I'm the creator of previous games, such as blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yes. it's... it's uh, 
a really weird thing to kind of smack you right upside the face because it's not. Uh-huh. I was like, I knew what the beginner's guide was. Yeah, and I knew that it was a much more serious game in tone, but I had no idea that it was just going to like smack you right upside the face, like the first twenty seconds of. You know, like, and this is a thing that I'm creating. It's not really, you know, a game per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it is presented kind of like as this collection of games from someone he knew um, that he used to kind of psychoanalyze uh, somebody. Um, and, you know, throughout it, you go through all of these various bits and pieces of weirdness that this uh, person named Coda put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just real avant-garde and abstract, <laughs> yeah. and they're, you know, like, they don't start getting really direct and personal until oh, later wow. in the, st- later in the narrative, yeah. which, you know, we'll talk about. Um, but, uh, to start things off, I guess, uh, Rhett, like, how did this game kind of hit you up front? Like, what, like, what have you, what, like, what are some things that kind of stand out for you? I guess overall, like, what does it grab out of the end? What do you, what do you grab out of the ether when you think about this game? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, first thing that struck me was, like, how it really seemed to be, like, starting from the, the beginning. The first map that you go through is just, like, a Counter-Strike map, but with, like, some random geometry shoved into it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. clearly someone who was just, like, experimenting with Source Engine for the first time, where they just took this map yep. and said, like, what if I could make a block here and it's just this like white blocks out of nowhere that just do not mesh whatsoever yeah or just like a big purple block in the sky or yeah something, you just kind of like random doodling basically yeah and my first impression of this game after like the first half hour or so was that i had to stop playing really because and this was Oof. even just from the first few games where before we even get to the prison stuff mm-hmm. like before uh-huh. that arc just the first three or four games, like, I had this intense sensation, this claustrophobic sensation, really, of just going through these games, and it was, like, incredibly uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I've, like, never had that kind of sensation in a game before. Like, yeah, it fit, to me... Even it, right from the beginning, something just felt really kind of wrong about intrusive. everything. It felt yeah. really intrusive. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, I'm going to push through this, but, oh boy, I'm already feeling just on edge and kind of squicky. Yeah, like, this isn't something I'm probably supposed to be seeing. You yeah. Know, it's very... Le- le- and just le- the it's... nature of those. Yeah. The maps just being, like, kind of linear hallways that you just trudge through. And I mean, I guess mm-hmm. they're very strange things, like the one where you have to close your eyes. <laughs> oh, that was... That one, <laughs> that one was, was kind of funny, but... That was funny, yeah. Like, there are funny moments, but just overall... And there's the one where, like, the fake Dark Souls notes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But got really uncomfortable oh, very yeah. early on. Yeah, it's, it, it just kind of has an immediate feeling. Just yeah. because it's being presented as this very real thing, you know, and he's telling you, like, mm-hmm. I'm showing you these things, you know, even though this person made them for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about John? Oof. John, what did you? What, what are some overall thoughts that you got going into sort of like the first half hour of this experience? Um, well, up through, I felt I feel like my I had kind of the two arcs with it. I think I paused in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and then I sat back down and finished the rest basically in one sitting. Huh. But kind of yeah. two little chunks. That's exactly how I did it, where I t- had to take a break in the middle. That's funny. I I just powered through the whole thing. 
Mm -hmm. It was very, very... It was a roller coaster. Engrossing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the end of my first chunk was after the prison stuff. Mm. And then the um, the one with the little house. Were you cleaning the house? Yes. Yeah. That one's Um, good. I got to that... I got to the house minigame. To the house game. And cried intensely oh it's during that section and i went on twitter and kind of related an experience some of the experiences i had um because i've done this i've like come across artists like kind of like coda Mm -hmm. and then just chewed through their work and thought really really intensely about it and shared shared a lot of it and and wanted to connect that work to yourself in some way Wanting to connect that work to myself and um, playing through that section of um, Beginner's Guide, getting through the the house there, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of feeling very, very lonely mm. because it's that that was kind of what it brought out of me was remembering that for like as much as I've played like ink repair games, like I've chewed through those games and thought. About, oh, what does this mean to what does this mean to this person? Mm-hmm. Or like, just dozens of artists. Basically, I've done that with like all of Anna Anthropy's games, um, but other people. Mm-hmm. Where like, there's a moment where you realize that I don't know this person. Yeah. Even though I've I you feel you you kind of feel like you connect with somebody through their work like that, mm-hmm. but it there's a limit to that. Yeah. There's sort of a falseness to it. Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of what it was bringing out of me, was that sense of distance and isolation from feeling so intimately connected to somebody when they're when you chew through all these works they've poured their hearts into. Mm-hmm. Um, especially tiny free games like the kind Coda made or the kind that Stephen Lavelle, like Incapair, makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically kind of had a sense of exactly where the game was going basic not like didn't realize how how much it was going for it but that kind of loneliness and not really knowing the person and kind of realizing that the narrator was coming from this perspective this false perspective mm-hmm. you feel um, kind of like you you forge you're forging a relationship in your mind kind of mm-hmm. um, in a, it, it, that doesn't really like exist but you are mm-hmm. still connecting through to someone through their expression, you know, like through their yeah. art. Uh, and I like, I mean, shit, like I've done the same, like with Rhett's stuff, you know? Yeah. Like when, when I first met Rhett, like I tore through every bit of I versus Pi, Naked with Apes, things like that. And it was just like, mm-hmm. you, you get it. Like, it's like, okay, I understand this guy's sense of humor. <laughs> like I understand Rhett a bit more, but like, we really didn't talk a lot back then. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we played PSO together a few times, yeah. um, and then like we hated each other for a very long time. <laughs> but there was absolutely no reason that we hated each other, uh, that, other than that we were dicks, I guess. <laughs> and then one night it was just like, oh hey, like let's play PSO together because September 11th was really scary, and we probably just need someone to you know do something with because you don't really know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. You know, then I went through and tore through his work, and, you know, that's, like, where I started kind of seeing where this game was going, is that, you know, like, it's not only Rhett that I've done this with, you know, I've done it with a lot of other people in their work as well, whether it be, 
you know, people and their games or artists or musicians and, you know, their entire discographies or things, you sort of start to feel like, you know, that's my band because I understand them now. Things like that, you know, you sort of get a weird connection, even though there is no actual connection there, if that all makes sense. Yeah, like, kind of, like, when we first met, it was because I had gone onto your Mal profile and called you God. Yeah, and that was real you, weird. <laughs> complimented you very aggressively and came on very strongly. Yeah, it and was really weird. It was really weird, wasn't it? And then I uh, then I sent him like a whole fucking case of anime like three weeks later. So <laughs> it all turned out well. Yeah, it did. But just that because I felt like I kind of connected with reading, chewing through that site, chewing through the anime reviews and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. But that wasn't really real until we'd actually started talking. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of people I have not done that with that I'm yeah, still like, kind of connected to that work. There are people that you will always remain at a distance with and never have, you know, you're, like, you're not going to be posting a podcast with Anna Anthropy more than likely. Nope, yeah. You know, that's just kind of... Le- but so, so, like, you know, you're left with, like, I can only know this person through their artwork. And that is kind of a lonely feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the weirdest kind of it's one of the weirdest kind of little connections you can make. Because it's just not really connecting with the person. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So, Rob? Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna make a bad joke. John is gonna start a new podcast. My Anna, My Anna, and me. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Anthropy, Anna Storm, and John Meyer. There you yeah. go. <laughs> So, uh-huh. so, so I guess like, that's a pretty good, you know, like, like I think my son today yeah. s- sort of mirrored John's and, and Rhett's in a lot of ways. And like, I think it kind of, I think this game kind of hit all three of us in the same way. It, mm-hmm. It's starting to sound like, um, I identified with the, with the narrator in a way that was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortable would be the word that I would I think use. I identified with Coda a little more. Gotcha. That I understand. There's well. also the whole prison arc where oh my it's God. really about having this idea and just not being able to, to figure out how it. to express it in the way you yeah. like. Yeah, and that and like the frustration that can lead to the the visible yeah. the visible frustration you can see in all of those prison prototypes, I think, was probably yeah. some of the most standout yeah. uh, material in the game because I, I think that that's something anybody can relate to is having this idea and just not knowing how to express it properly or if there like or if there is a perfect way to express an idea like maybe the flawed idea like the flawed version of that idea is like the best version because it's the one that's the most human yeah yeah and that and was frustrating too cuz yeah there were parts in it where I'm like oh this is a good version of the prison game and then it's just like oh and then it got scrapped and here's another one and I'm just like oh this one's not as good mhm uh-huh. like I like the it one with all. Like... The, I like the one with all the false choices. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you didn't like, like you could make choices, but then, like the game was just like, and then you decided to do this. Oh, the dialogue <laughs> boxes. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That one was good. Yeah, but it's just like you saw that frustration. And you're just like, man, like this one's good. Like you can just stop now. And mm-hmm. then the final one doesn't even have the prison in it. Yeah, it's so 
like like it's not bizarre because I think again it's something everybody. I think there is a point when you're if you're banging your head against something, you just have to scrap you it have at some to, point. Yeah, you you either have to scrap it or accept the flaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just and then listening to the narrator, um, talking relentlessly over it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was real. Like, like, I didn't need the narrator to understand, like, what was going on here with what was being presented in that whole prison sequence and those mm-hmm. series of games in that little world. Mm-hmm. Like, I came out at the beginning, at the very beginning, I was like, well, I've done this and enjoyed chewing through a person's body of work. Why do they need this narrator? Why can't you just let me play through all these games and draw my own conclusions? Mm-hmm. And then... But then that kind of d- that developed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. then and then things yeah. get then then things start mm. getting very uh, um, much harrowing, more yeah, uncomfortable. harrowing, uncomfortable, very passively aggressively confrontational. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like where you know the games start taking a much darker turn. Um, where, like, just like the narrator, you would probably be thinking, oh my god, this person is in a real bad place, huh? Like, just trying to get these ideas perfect is literally, like, hurting this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, the games, like, in that part of the narrative just get so, like... I was more uncomfortable probably in some of those games than I was playing Doom 3 recently. Oh. Yeah. The the stage one. Oh my god. Fuck yep. that one. Fuck that one so <laughs> hard. Yep. What are the other ones between that and the room that you clean over and over? Oh god. I can't remember. There's, There's uh, the one where you're in the college professor's lecture yeah, the college professor which is just about being oh, perfect yeah. and then the point of view changes oh yeah and it's like yep. and you're the one trying to impress on somebody what it is to be perfect mm-hmm. i like the dialogue options there where you're just like no look behind you it's all burning it's all burning yeah it's so crazy and again i think that all of that relates to kind of like what you go through to be a creative person like if you god it's so I mean literally in games like if you go like beyond the boundaries like it's all just nothingness and yeah, just there's mess. nothing like, there like you can pull behind the curtains literally and just like oh like they talk about E3 demos like where they'll have somebody who worked on the game playing it cuz if they go like two steps off the main path the whole thing will fall apart yeah there's literally nothing there or like the world is not finished like there's no textures over there yeah like you pull back, you know the screen yeah. on a game maker or a flash game. You're going to either yeah. see a big black border, or you're going to <laughs> see like all of the level that you've already passed and part of the level that's coming up, and it's all just kind yeah. of moving. Oh yes, I'm very thorough about doing black borders in my games because of early incidents. Masking. That's what I yeah. typically use. Mm-hmm. Like in Hunters, if you jump into a room you're not supposed to, it was just always like a gray box and mm-hmm. just like, whoops, I gotta fix those. Yep. Because the instant you go off of the map, it's just no- nothing. Yeah. Like there's nothing there. Like you can't, yeah. you literally can't go to anything. So that was. Yeah, so 
back to the beginner's guide, I got the impression, yes, this whole arc is about depression. Yeah, it was just depression. Yeah. And, and, like, it definitely culminates into, like, this real big, like, ugly kind of, like, like, like the machine. You get to the machine. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on the machine? <sighs> yeah, I'm just looking over all the different chapters, just kind of reminding yeah. myself. The one I where think... you close your eyes, the one that returns to the, the prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did we mention, we didn't mention the one where the prison was originally going to lock you in for an hour. That's so yeah. good! Yeah. That's and so then good! All his, all his little changes. Yeah. Yeah, all the little changes that he made to make it easy for you to get through. Like the maze that is just incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. like the giant... He's just like, I don't know why he put this in here, so I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. Like, the moments where he just very much just kind of steps over, steps all over. Yeah, like yeah. he oversteps guys... his bounds as, yeah. as, as uh, you know, this quote-unquote friend trying to showcase a friend's yeah. work. But it's mm -hmm. also like the dichotomy between like, you want a game to be playable, Absolutely, but yeah. you want a game to be what you want it to be. And like an art piece, like he shot really struggling with when he brought up that when he, he talked about Coda sending him hundreds of folders labeled playable, playable games game that were just, just oh, yeah. a room, a room. And then he mentioned, and I played through every single one of them trying to see if there was an extra point, like, holy fuck. <laughs> um, honestly, just, in light of the kind of later stuff, um, there's a big sense of him maybe kind of projecting onto the narrator, sort of projecting a lot of his own stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I mean, and that. There's a thing at the end that really impresses that. Yeah, yeah. like it's straight up the, said. You know, like yeah. in in no uncertain terms. And of course, you've got like, like going back to the whole like the the creator sort of making his games more comprehensible to make them presentable, you have the the iconography of the lamppost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, like, becoming a thing when, when, when this narrator becomes involved in Coda's life is when lampposts start appearing in all of his games in some form mm -hmm. to kind of be the guide. And when you start looking at Coda's work from that point on, it starts to change. Like mm -hmm. you go, you go from these very abstract, uh, avant-garde sort of deviations in 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 art and like what video games can be to things that become more focused. Uh, and the you know obviously the lamppost is the projection of that. Mm-hmm. The machine's the one that where you finally get the god and chew apart all of these different games. Yeah, like that. That was man I, I just felt so weird inside doing that even though yeah. i knew that it's like what you know it's like i don't have to shoot but i'm doing it anyway <laughs> like what am i like like what am i trying to do here like like i'm tearing all of this stuff apart um but man like like and then like you know that's kind of where we come to i guess would be the climax of everything, mm -hmm. the final game. Wait, the there's tower. one before that. There's, there Wait, is. there's the Which like one? the walking through the sky one. Yeah, where you have like the angelic narrator. I think kind of. What is it? Oh, oh. god, I wish I remembered more. See, I thought the machine was before that. No, one. yeah, right be right before that one. Before the machine is the one where you um, are walking through the sky with a narrator, and then you have to shoot. You have to blow up the. 
Oh. Break down the walls. Yes, that's yeah. The, breaking something. down the walls. And... Okay, so out of all the one, I really wanted to talk about this one because out of all the entire game, like this is the one that really got to me. Oh well, let's because let's, let's go. Let's let's break it down. At the end of it, like you see that this whole game is about. I mean, not the whole game, but this arc is about Coda being kind of in a funk and depressed and mm-hmm. frustrated with his games. Mm-hmm. And then you literally tear down a wall and like. Is it, it's either your dialogue options or, like, the things that... I think it's your dialogue options. You mm-hmm. are physically pushing buttons to say, making games is fun. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're... making games. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that section did a number on me. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of in the same place where I haven't made anything since January. It's, it's just uh-huh. like, oh, God. It's like, I really right. love doing oh. this. Punching the wall through and, yeah. like, the words keep appearing. And it's just like, it's mm-hmm. this weird, re- like, false reassurance, you know, that you, you, you feel that it is very false. And that, but, like... See, for me, it felt totally genuine. Like, we're going to get through this. Yeah, like, I think that it can be read both ways. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. personally for me, because I'm kind of in the same funk. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, really personally affecting yeah yeah like i'm currently working on poly dungeon and then like a thing happened and i lost a lot of time editing that thing and it's just like oh wow this is super fun right now boy so that that was sort of my interpretation of it of of just kind of like you're trying to convince yourself but at the same time it's got this very ugly Mm -hmm. kind of sarcasm and snark to it it's like well fuck you there was no sarcasm on my interpretation where it's just like, yes, I used to enjoy making games. What happened? And, mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, I, like, can, I can relate a lot to just, like, various bits and pieces of games laying around because I have, like, eight or nine things in Game Maker that are started projects that are just, like, an idea of a thing. That it's just mm-hmm. like, this is a thing that I can do. Why don't I make a game out of this? Yeah, it's totally fun. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> I, wish, I wish one of these would click for me. Finishing things is really hard. You are not yeah. wrong. You John are not is in wrong. the same situation where he hasn't finished anything in a while. I know. Where I is that two... machine game, John? Where is the machine? I have... Breaking I have games two... is fun. <laughs> I have two separate projects that I think are just going to be amazing. And really, I'm really going to love them. But yeah. getting them to that point is just so hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same way about Poly Dungeons. It's just like, I love this project a lot. But man, just getting... I mean, like, everything together to kind of it's just like mm-hmm. looking at what you need to do to get this whole thing finished it's just it's all really scary yeah, yeah. And it's not like any of us can do this for a living so yeah. we're all kind of having to make do with what time we have and inspiration like sometimes you just don't have it yeah yeah like real talk though like making games takes fucking forever it's hard yeah. like the last stretch of bullet phase was just fucking agony because the game was done for so long, mm-hmm. but just putting that final fit and finish on it that I wanted mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. just, like, getting it all together and, like, finalizing everything. Like, it's yeah. a nightmare. Like, I, I look back and I'm like, how did I actually do Hunters? I don't understand anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I have all the level done in the machine game. Yeah. There's just a boss yeah. fight, linking the level together, and little intro and ending, and spit and shine probably tiling some stuff tiling it prettier yeah. mm-hmm. and it's so much it's, it's, <laughs> it's never games... just oh a boss fight that'll be easy yeah, no like like 
making games or in, in embarking on any because this is not like this game is not just about video games at no. all i don't think that it's restricted to that at all and i think people that only read it as that are kind of like you're not you're not getting the point like this game i think if, if you create anything you, you need to play yeah. this game Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, The Unfinished Swan specifically wasn't about video games, but could very well be taken that way, mm-hmm. because it was a video game. Right, yeah. But, like, directly in the game, it was about writing and painting and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so, so do we move on to the climax? Oh, boy. Yeah, the boy, tower. Yeah, the tower, the final stretch of the beginner's guide is yeah. th- where so everything bit- kind of gets to come apart, <laughs> and... yeah. The so, bits about the narrator detecting Coda's vision yeah. earlier. Stop and putting projecting lamp posts. all his bullshit. Yeah, stop putting lampposts in my games was just one of the most affecting things. That really that hit came me. out of nowhere. That hit me <sighs> so hard. You know, because think, it made me question as to like have I like 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 I've been like involved in the making of Rhett's games. Like, have I done that? Like, have stop I... Stop putting ninjas in my games. Yeah, like, stop putting ninjas... Like, ha- have I somehow aversely affected his games? And it's just like, well, Polmeyer exists. Drill Boss exists. Oh, God, yeah. And people hated those. Like, did I... I, I love Polmeyer. I do, too. I love both those bosses. <laughs> I don't like Drill Boss anymore. I like Drill Boss in Project M33. I don't like Drill Boss in Project uh, M32 well, anymore. It was one of the most memorable ones, too, for what it's worth. <laughs> I guess don't think about it. It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, I think that part, though, like, even the tower in general is just, like, again, it's... Davey wants to make playable games that have cohesion, and, like, putting the lamppost in is the thing that gives them, like, a sense of identity and yeah. cohesion together. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Coda just wants to make these small one-off things that just... That are abstract and more yeah. true to, like, what he is trying... Like, Coda is trying to express himself through a medium, and I think mm-hmm. that it goes deeper than just making a game. Like mm. he's, I, I feel that this is his outlet. This is how his mind yeah. exercise, like, gets all of the junk out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And, but it's also like those thoughts don't have to be connected with exactly a thing like the lampposts. Exactly, they don't have to be a big old yeah. They don't have to be a big old narrative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, even straight up says like. I'm not depressed. Stop people that I'm depressed because my games got sad, yeah. which kind of kind of tolls back to what we were saying earlier, how those prison games affected us. Yeah, and, yeah. But then because, there's a line towards the end where he's just like, you know, maybe he just liked making prison games. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe... Maybe there was no deeper meaning. Yeah. There was and, no cry for help. And then... You, yeah. you got you get Davy starting to kind of analyze himself in the final moments of the game, and are like, we talking about the room where it crushes you? Oh God, yes. Because Ooh. oh boy, that that's that's when this game takes a turn for me. Yeah, where like there's a narrative and I'm following it, and you kind of don't think Code is a real person. Mm-hmm. Like you think it's a like kind of a left brain right brain thing. That's why I keep going back to like playable games versus art expressions and then that room that crushes you happens yeah mm-hmm. and you feel violated you really like really you've do. just walked in on an argument between two people that yeah. you shouldn't have like, seen like i don't like, want to be part of this anymore yeah i feel 
I've invaded your personal life. Yeah. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the bit that I think the bit that kind of punched me in the gut was um when he's just like, yeah, I made little additions. Like originally, the the cleaning game didn't even end. Yeah, he just oh, he just kept cleaning the house forever. <sighs> yeah, and so I'm just okay. like I had this really intense reaction based on kind of the narrative he had spun around this game, yeah. and then realizing that that wasn't even what the game was. Yeah, yeah. it was just it even just then, tearing the rug out from underneath me. Yeah. He had spun the narrative of how that, like, the cleaning game was, like, a bigger version of that one puzzle you keep doing. Yeah. Where you stay in a space and then you leave. Yeah. And then, yeah, that wasn't what that was supposed to be, Dakota. No, not at all. Like, it was, oof, man, like, the house cleaning game was real good. Mm -hmm. But for me, like, jumping from the I can make games, games is positive, and feeling genuinely good about that one to the end of the tower and just like oh game don't you kicked please. you kicked me in the stomach here like you made me feel awful after making me feel really good yeah <laughs> yeah and and i think that's kind of what it was going for because i yeah. think that like like whether or not coda exists or not i don't think that's really the point of any of this but it really makes you i for the whole game i'm like well coda's obviously not real and yeah. then that one moment where he's just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're just like it feels you feel... incredibly genuine. Yeah, because yeah. the game has set up that Davy is just the real person, the guy who made the Stanley, the Stanley Parable. Parable. Yeah. yeah, and for the whole game, he's just acting like, "Yes, I'm a real person who made this game, the Stanley Parable." And then for him to basically break down crying at the end is just because you're in the headspace of it being a nonfiction thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just oh boy, it 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 really. Like even if the delivery is real corny, like it's 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 still got so much impact because of how mm-hmm. the narrative has set everything up and how it's all been presented and how this climax comes together mm-hmm. with this email being presented to you, mm-hmm. um, and just these very hostile manners. It's just like you know you are a shithead, you know, for projecting you poison all of this, this for me. You poisoned this beautiful thing for me. And so it's that kind of like, puts up stuff like the machine and the different light. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, like, in sort of like that outro monologue, I think that where the game kind of hit me the most is Davey starts talking about, like, recognition and, and like, do you want to be recognized for what you present oh. and things like that. And... That's sort of where, it's not where it hit the hardest for me, but it's where I sort of got one of my biggest revelations was that over the years, I've always just maintained, I was like, you don't need to praise me for anything I do. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, I just do this for me. I do this because I'm so self-righteous or I'm Mm -hmm. so, you know. But then Uh it was just like, it was just like, you know, I'm really full of shit. (laughs) Like, I... (laughs) I am the biggest shithead because, you know, like, honestly, like, it does feel good to, like, put something out and somebody go, like, hey, I like that review you wrote. It was really good, mm-hmm. informative, or funny. Or, Thumbs up. Yeah. Or, or, hey, your podcast is really good. I like listening to it. Like, it's just like, you know what? Yeah, I guess I, I've always kind of just lied to myself and said that I, I don't need that fucking validation. Like, ah, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm so noble. And I do, you know, <laughs> but no, it's like, no. I'm actually mm-hmm. really full of shit. I actually do like to hear, you know, those good thoughts sometimes. And 
that really just kind of like stuck with me for like a week after mm-hmm. I played the goddamn game because it was just like, you know, you're not really thinking negatively of yourself when you say like when I say like, oh, I'm a fraud, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, to a certain degree, <laughs> that that is actually true because you know the outward presentation I've always tried to have is like, oh, whatever, I do this just for me. I don't need anybody's mm-hmm. approval, you know. But then you realize like, no, I'm really just kind of full of shit. Mm-hmm. For me, and that I had like. Kind of... For me, that had kind of the opposite effect because my games have always done, like, really well on Newgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I was always getting that feedback on stuff. And then I kind of realized I, like, it sometimes would dread the comments for the because of the negative ones. Mm-hmm. And just, like, man, you guys don't get it. I spent, like, three years on this game. And then you're just like, oh, the graphics are the bad. The graphics are bad! So, mm-hmm. like, I had to actually come full circle to the point where I actually do just want to make stuff for myself and not need that validation of other people mm-hmm. when he was this like man it felt really good to share Coda's stuff though yeah. like he, he wanted that validation he wanted validation for, for someone else's for stuff. someone else's shit he wanted to be seen as like this this person doing mm-hmm. this real great Magnanimous thing discoverer yeah, yeah. I and... think that can apply to almost anything though like even if you like if you share a music album with yeah. somebody, like you if, be the even one though you like... have absolutely nothing to do with its creation, just by being the person that shared it, like you expect some like, hey, thanks for that album you sent me. It was yeah. really good. Like that's we... kind of a shitty, toxic way to think. Yeah, like look at how much we've 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 pumped like uh, SWR, JST, you know, yeah. selective memory erase effect. Yeah. Look at us discovering this. It's like, look, we just like, and I don't feel we're wrong in that degree because there's nothing online about this game. I want more people to play this game. But, you I know, know, but we wouldn't. I don't think we would be taking credit for no, that. No, absolutely not. But it, but, it's but like, like, if you send an album to like one person, you want them to be like, "Hey, thanks, that was really good." Even yeah. though the really good part. And then if they don't like it, you're just like, well, "Why didn't you like this thing I sent you?" Even though it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I know that I've been defensive in that and I, way. And Brett, I, you've been I've, the same way. <laughs> feel shitty about that yeah it makes you feel real shitty when you start thinking about those times where it's like oh man did i do that thing i really fucking did that thing i'm danny don't Mm. be danny don't be danny yeah davy don't be davy don't be davy okay never mind i'm bad with Mm. names so i put out like four games i really liked in 2014 and none of them got any as much press as the nope. <laughs> as the nice little as the hard 2D platformer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that felt deflating. Yeah, there's and like oh, the well. thing is, like, is I had to kinda like think about it and say to myself, like, it's not wrong to want that validation. Mm-hmm. Like when you put something out there, like whether it be music, a podcast, a site, a review, whatever. It's just like, I think for a long time, I just thought, like, it was wrong for me to want that validation for some reason. It was wrong for me to want to see, to hear somebody say, hey, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it felt like being conceited and wanting people to like a thing that you do. But, mm-hmm. I mean, don't we all kind of always put something out there because we kind of want someone to connect to it in some mm-hmm. way? Yeah, and... Like, literally all of Coda's games in the middle of this are about connecting to other people. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And him keeping them 
keeping them to himself, not sharing them beyond with, like, Danny and maybe a few other people. Yeah, like, that's how you truly do something for yourself, is that you do it, and unfortunately, you never release it. Mm -hmm. Because I think the moment that you put something out there, whether it's your intention or not, like, you know, there's sort of like, is that creation yours anymore once it leaves your hands? Yeah. I feel like, I, I think someone expressed the idea at some point, an idea that I've kind of connected with over time is that basically all of the online anonymous comments mm -hmm. add up to one person in real life that you are close to and care about. Mm -hmm. So you can get hundreds and hundreds of positive comments on a thread and yeah. it'll be, uh, it'll feel about like one person you care about saying, giving you this is really good. Back. I like yeah. this. Yeah. And if two people, that it's shit it feels like one person you really care about saying it's shit yeah yeah i i yeah i kind of watched i watched threat go through this mm -hmm. uh especially with hunters it made me angry like the mm -hmm. way that game was the way that game received like i think i was more angry than Rhett. because <laughs> mm -hmm. i i saw the writing on the wall basically where i knew i am making a thing that goes against like literally every possible trend in Flash. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm just making the game I want to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially John mentioned earlier how about he was frustrated where Fugitive got attention and then nothing he did in 2014 did. Yeah, yeah. It was the opposite uh, for me where this dumb thing I made in two days where all you press space. Yeah, got four million a views. Views. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I'm literally never going to top that. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, a Casey Green. He's never going to outlive Dick oh, Butt. Yeah. Oh, uh, he, he. Okay, you say that he did though with uh, this is this fine. is fine. Oh yeah, that's a good point. He actually did end up topping itself. In, that's right. Me. That's right. Mm -hmm. But now that one's even bigger. Yeah. But then, yeah, like, so, like that is the thing. Like that's the megaphone. Like that's the one thing people are like, "Oh, hey, it's the this is fine guy." Well, what about all? Like, what about the two hundred and fifty six other comics he makes? I know. Mm -hmm. I, with him per personally, I actually saw threads about him. People are just like, "Oh, warming up to his comics and stuff." Being yeah. like, "Oh, it's the it's the this is this is fine guy." He does a lot of other stuff. He's done stuff. That's kind of cool to done, see. Hey, I'm proud it to say like he's done 20 stuff. Twenty years on the internet for. Yeah. yeah, and he did stuff on Sucks Make Yeah, he's done stuff for our site. I'm always yep. very happy to, you know, point out. And he's responsible for Noodle Cowboy, mm. which is awesome. <laughs> um, but I think it's almost like a lot of artists will always have that one big hit. Yeah. And they'll think, like, oh, well, nothing I'll do will ever top this, even though, even if that's not actually true. Here's the thing mm. my big thing is Final Fantasy articles I didn't write. Uh, <laughs> Boy, that's real fucking depressing. <sighs> and, like, that's another thing that this game really reminded me of, and that last, you know, bit about recognition and stuff. It's just, like, I've got 10 years, 11 years, working on a site. The biggest thing on my site, still... <laughs> still? Still, Final Fantasy articles I didn't write. And I don't begrudge that in any way. It's just like, wow. <laughs> How'd that happen? Boy, yeah. oh boy, people need to stop sending me emails about articles I didn't write. Uh, it's yeah. always, hey, I love your articles. And it's like, uh, hey, fuck yourself. Oh, just be Davey and be like, hey, thanks. Yeah, I should do that. I should do <laughs> Take that. Take the exception. I should just start taking it and 
be a real shit heel. <laughs> so, uh, I guess we start wrapping things up with final thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think I've kind of put my final thoughts mm-hmm. out there. Uh, Rhett, final thoughts on the beginner's guide. Uh, I enjoyed doing this podcast more than the game itself. And that's not... Because I felt so hurt and betrayed by that game by the end. Yeah. It's... It built me up it just is to a... tear me down in the worst, sickening way. <laughs> so I just kind of finished it and was just like, oh, what? So like <laughs> talking through it with you guys and kind of understanding what it was going for has really, really helped. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, yeah. It's something that, like I said, and I've said on Twitter a lot, and I, I said in the Steam recommendation that I made for it as well, if you are a creator of anything, you have to play this. And yeah. immediately mm-hmm. find somebody to talk to about it. <laughs> yes, that's the key part, I think. Yeah, it, it's a game that bears discussion. Like, I don't think that it's something you can play and then not talk about. It's it's mm-hmm. It touches on a lot of the creative process and how we go through that process and how others perceive that process and how others affect our process and how we affect other pro- others' processes. And it's just... It's a very, very, very special thing, I think. Mm-hmm. What about you, John? It's, it's very just... Like, it is... It's like a sniper bullet. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And it's just a gut punch of a game, and I instantly connected with it to the point that I kind of knew where it was going down, where the route was going down mm-hmm. about a half hour into it, because I just had instantly felt all those little red flags from to begin with, and then... yeah. It's something like it it sticks to you like a leech and you want to tear it off so bad, but it's, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it sticks to your soul in a way that there's no way you can't connect with it. Mm -hmm. So while the Stanley parable, well, like this kind of scattered essay type thing, Mm -hmm. this is completely precise in the effect it's trying to engender. Yeah. And it affected me very deeply. Yeah, like, like, like I said, I think it kind of hit all of us in a way mm-hmm. that it, it was revelatory, I think. I think mm-hmm. we all learned something about ourselves, and I think we learned something about others uh, while playing it. Uh, and it's been real eye-opening, I think. Like, like mm-hmm. th- there, there are two games I've played this year that have left me in a very, very strange emotional state. Uh, that would be... Um, that would, that, that, Life be, is strange. Yeah, that was about to say that would be mm-hmm. life is strange, and that would be the beginner's guide. Um, yeah. So, yeah, left me very. They both left me very emotionally exhausted, <laughs> but I like that there are video games that can do that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it doesn't feel great getting your feelings raked over the coals and having yourself exposed in a way through <laughs> the media that you're playing. Um. It doesn't feel great, but it's also great that that can happen. Um, but I also just want to play Contra sometimes because, God damn it, I need to turn my brain off. It probably, yeah. it probably explains why I went to Grand Theft Auto afterward. <laughs> it's like, uh, man, oh, I need what? to get this out of my system. Let's go kill people. <laughs> I don't need your acceptance. Blam, blam, blam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the while, you know, it's like that scene in Trigon where Vash is sitting on the bench eating the donuts. These are real great. He's crying oh. the whole time. <laughs> oh, 
so is that the beginner's guide? Is the socks cast through until mm. game of the year discussion? Recommend it. thumbs up. Thumbs up, absolutely. Uh. <laughs> what do you think, Brett? I'd say about an I'd say about a nine point one out of ten. <laughs> I don't I don't do scores anymore. They're confusing. <laughs> Uh, so I'm pro- all right. Well, I'm probably gonna go and finish my browser versions of my games so that I can have anonymous internet people tell me I'm cool. There you go. <laughs> you feel better. And I'm gonna go tell myself I'm gonna work on Poly Dungeon and then not do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll get back to it. Don't worry. It's coming out early 2017. Cool. Honestly, if I can get those two projects that I really like, um, the RPG Maker one is the other one, mm-hmm. and get those out by like the end of next year. I feel like I'll be in a really good place. There you go. Shoot the stars. As long as it happens, ultimately. Go. I just like letting things happen naturally. I don't want to work on this game if I'm not feeling it. Yep. And, and like that, unfortunately, that crash crushed my spirits. I have to get back uh, to a point where I'm saying, oh man, you, this is How fun. much did you lose? About three hours. Oh my god. Like, why didn't I save? It's so I, stupid. You know, I'm really bad about saving, too. Like, I only save when I publish, but I'm, when I'm working on something, I'm not publishing it that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a crash really this morning. And I, yeah, I'm really glad you'd save before my game crashed your, your computer. Oh, God. I was like... You would have heard I would have been biting your head <laughs> off had I not saved <laughs> just after finishing a very big part. I will tell Polly what part it was that almost got lost to crash later. Okay. <gasps> Okay, uh, but anyway, that is, I believe, we're, we're we've we've talked to death. The beginner's yeah. guide. Uh, I hope it's that almost, our talk will almost be the length of the beginner's guide. Yeah, I hope that like it's under if, two hours, so we can, you can steam refund us now. Yep, boom. <laughs> I hope that if you played through, uh, that you know, uh, you you might have you know maybe we got gave you some insight. Maybe I hope you enjoyed it. Like if you didn't. If you're listening and didn't play the Stanley or, or and didn't play the Beginner's Guide anyway, like I hope that maybe you got something out of this. Uh, mm-hmm. But but for now, we're gonna go and we'll talk to you guys again in two weeks. Sounds good. Turn.